0: That's a groovy button. What does it say? And you know what that music means. Welcome back to the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. This is big episode number 18.
1: That's right, and I am Alan. I'm wearing something very special today, but it's not what you think, Williams.
0: That's funny. I'm Al. I'm wearing something very special today, but it's not what you think, Bigley. Hey! You thought it would be the Batman tights again,
1: didn't you? Yeah, because you and just you and just the utility belt was so last year.
0: Yeah, it's been done. It's been done. <laughs>
1: How are you, pal of mine?
0: I'm good. Uh, allergies, as usual, like last year, like our episodes, what number three and four last year? I think.
1: Yeah, through three, three and, four, six, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. Sounds about right. Um, Al, uh, what are you doing over there? What do you mean? Um, something funny is happening over there. I'm I'm not sure what to describe to the radio listening audience.
0: I'm using the uh, the sponsor's product. The
1: monkey. Ah.
0: To you by cornflakes, right? Remember? Ah,
1: yes, okay. <K-4> remember that A-K jingle? double,
0: L, double, o, double good Do <makes> to you know I'm just going to put it underneath
1: this, uh, I'm so, sorry, Mickey. I didn't mean to embarrass you that way. Plain Cornflakes. <laughs> I have a
0: friend that says uh, that's his favorite <laughs> monkey song. The Kellogg's. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the Kellogg's jingle. Nah,
1: uh, actually, mine is the Mike with Some guys have it. Some guys never will. The old, the old Yardley. Uh, oh, boy. Yardley Black Label. Black Mabel, black, no, I mean, that's black label beer. I'm
0: sorry. Black Mabel is something completely. That's an unreleased monkey song.
2: <laughs> well, let's, let's,
0: let's do something different. Right here at the top of the episode, let's thank our, uh, our many fans and listeners. Uh, the Facebook page has been doing great. More interaction, more discussion. We try to post interesting, odd, unusual tidbits, photos, bits of information. And uh, we love and, it. And and we and love hearing it. Sometimes
1: guys. Alan puts up annoying polls.
0: Annoying polls. Well, maybe
1: not annoying, but it was—it was a burning question that I had to ask. But you know, it's...
0: do you prefer Mickey with straight hair or curly hair? Right?
1: Uh, no. Do I prefer prefer Peter with or without the walrus mustache? Ooh. Or do I prefer Davy in the black or white version of uh, Daddy Song?
0: Man, you're blowing my mind over here, man. <laughs> the colors, man. Well, you know it Dude. was the
1: it was the sliders I had for lunch, man. You know that whole pork with this? the coleslaw.
0: I told you, no mushrooms on those sliders.
1: Yeah, it's true. But what can I tell you?
0: No, tell us about the pole.
1: All right, so...
0: Isn't that a head track?
1: No. Pole. No, he's, he's not like pole, like Stanislav Wasikowski. No, no. it is like Gallup Pole. All right, so...
0: I swear that's a track on head.
1: Uh-huh. Gallup Pole?
0: No, just pole. Okay. So...
1: As you and I both know, I have the utmost admiration for uh, El Delenzio's solo work. The MGM stuff, Mickey Dolan's Put You to Sleep, Broadway Mickey, uh, King for a Day especially, and Remember. So, one of the things that has... Remember what? Yeah, as you always say, Remember, the memory's the second thing to go, and we always forget what the first one is. So,
0: Well I think I know.
1: All right, well, Keep it to yourself. Tell me later when I need to know. So, but one of the things that I've never under—I understand, but I'm not necessarily in 100% agreement with. But I know he wants to keep the monkey fans happy. So when he does his solo shows, he does mostly monkey stuff with an occasional do-it. You know, he'll do Bye Bye Blackbird with Coco and and a couple of other things. But I've always wondered why he has ignored this great body of solo work. So. The poll I put up uh, I put it on our page I shared it with Zilch And then I put it on The Monkeys page Which for some reason I couldn't share it with So The question was In the future When Mickey goes out On his solo Dates with Coco And all that Would you like to see him Donate Do a portion of the show With Solo stuff You know And I listed all that Solo stuff And uh, The overwhelming majority Said yes So we, at this point We had 57 votes uh, 48 of them said uh, yes nine for some unexplainable reason said no and of course we had one lady who said uh, because one of the answers options was hell yes he should uh, D- could we get an option with no cursing <laughs> and it stopped me in my tracks this is a family show hey it depends on what kind
0: of family you're talking hey, about here what, you do know? You mean there? what are you looking at there? hey now wait a minute we forgot something Will we forget We forgot to explain why we have these unusual nicknames this episode.
1: Oh, well, Uh, your podcast partner, in his finite wisdom, decided that, well, Zilch has their amazing buttons, which they pass out. I decided that we needed to do something to shamelessly self-promote us. So, at this moment, you're in possession of one, I'm in possession of one, Jody's in possession of one and the M&M boys are soon to be in possessions of one each.
0: And we've got some photographic evidence. Yes, we do.
1: Thusly. Yeah, this is so this is so easy even CSI Miami could figure it out. Right. Um, but I have created five limited edition t-shirts with the podcast logo on and we will be posting Al and I are both wearing our t-shirts today nothing else uh, speak for yourself pal I'm not allowed to so, wear just a t-shirt anymore
0: now get that image out of your mind folks yeah thank you very you're much
1: you're welcome yeah, yeah. you're welcome but uh, Jody had, Jody uh, was actually wearing hers during her last Facebook live feed which you know, she looked very good in it thank you Jody better than, better than she looked better than you and I did So well but, come uh, on
0: they haven't seen us yet
1: that's true but uh, I've also included uh, one for Mickey and Mike. Who? Yes, those two guys. Okay. Alright, so the M M&M and M boys.
0: What about Ringo and Pete?
1: Uh Ringo I couldn't get I couldn't make it big enough to fit his nose over it. And over his nose, man. And Peter uh, unfortunately the t shirt was not organic, so I couldn't really do ah, it. It wasn't right. organic cotton in, and the and the vinyl logo was not organic, so it's like right.
0: if you can't smoke it <laughs> you,
1: you can't wear it. <laughs>
0: I don't know what that meant, folks. I didn't mean anything. Please, no letters.
1: Okay, but here, here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that by the Kestwick show, that the two, that Mickey and Mike will wear theirs to perform in. That is what I'm hoping. So, but uh, we have, we're we're tossing around a marketing idea, marketing idea for this shirt, and uh, we will discuss it later on, and maybe see what you guys think. So, very good. More to come. That's what they call in the business a teaser.
0: Oh, you're such a tease.
1: Well, now that we're back from that little brief respite, uh, while we were editing uh, the podcast, just to make sure that this is not just raw, unedited stuff you guys hear, because trust me, you don't want to hear the raw, unedited stuff.
0: It's the only podcast that edits as we go.
1: That's right. <laughs> All for you. That's right. So we wanted to take a moment, because I added this up the other day, and, and it blew out away. Now, this is just SoundCloud alone, thanks to you guys. Our sound, uh, all the episodes on SoundCloud have had almost 8,400 listens, which is something that we never thought would happen. Amazing! And oh, wait! A minute, before we get into the shoutouts, we should also reiterate our other big thing. I'll let you. Since
0: How much big news can can our listeners stand in one episode? Uh, hopefully a hell of a lot more because we've got more to come. Here it is. You can now find this podcast. <laughs> On Google Play and
1: one of the biggest platforms that there is, iHeartRadio.
0: That's right, we're everywhere, we're everywhere, we're everywhere.
1: This chicken man, right? Oh, wait, I think he's, through through he's everywhere. everywhere, he's everywhere. No, it's that's because Danny is watching you. He's everywhere. That's right, that's a race that kid, moment. It
0: was me. too late, she'd already she'd looked. Already she'd already been moon
1: Flash there right in front of the shop.
0: But no, thank you guys, it's amazing, and over what, a little over a year now. Yep. All this uh, success, all this positive energy you guys have sent to us. Mm-hmm. See, I'm getting all, all organic. you yeah, That too. Yeah. Yes, yes. My doctor but, did that to me once. Uh.
1: Not to mention all the people that have listened in on iTunes. Yes. You know, it's like, which Everywhere. unfortunately, thanks to Apple, we'll never know.
0: Hard to track your stats there. It's a mm-hmm. mysterious world. Man.
1: So we wanted to take a moment to shout out to some of the people that have been instrumental in helping us and have really been great fans and stepped up. Uh, first of all, we definitely have to thank the Podfather because without his help, we wouldn't be here.
0: Exactly right. Jody Ritson, of course, our Absolutely new podcasting uh, mm-hmm. partner.
1: His uh, all the guys over at Zilch because of the fact that you know they have been very supportive as we have of them. Um, Fred Velez, who has also been on there uh, a great deal. Correct. Uh, Carolyn Negron. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. I got to read. I got. I'm going through names here. And, of course, it's David Lovin.
0: Don't write to me if that's not the correct pronunciation. That's David that's...
1: You know, it's like, we're trying, David. You know, I remember he went, Lovin, the last time he... I used to
0: love it. that show. Ruth Buzzy and Joanne Worley. I, I watch it every week.
2: Is that a chicken joke?
0: Something like that. You All bet right. your sweet bippy. All right.
1: but uh, and You know, some... I feel like
0: we're on Romper Room. I see Cynthia and I see Michael.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I see Peter and Dave. <laughs> yeah
1: uh jamie telgren who won our last contest
0: yes jamie's um, been digging those sweet goodies she has and you know what what i've heard a little bird came in and told me had a message that said uh don't please don't put messages on my leg no this is another little bird. A,
1: this is not a carrier pigeon that too i'm not a carrier pigeon
0: please do not strap messages on my leg no a little bird told me this very episode just as our fans are recovering from all these other big announced announcements we may be announcing our second big contest. where you win even more monkeys' loot. Contest number do. Two, 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 two. Not wait. We don't need them quite yet. Keep tampering No, no, down. no. That
1: was that was my monkey. The monkeys at the movies, Mickey.
0: Oh, <laughs> really hey, moving up the charts number two, two I don't know. You're no Davy Jones. <laughs> but, but, you're no blind man. You're not. You're no blind Melon Chitlin. Even though my record says a uh, loving spoonful in the front. Um, <laughs> but no. Keep listening. Keep your ears peeled. Ears peeled. For a big announcement later for more nice. rare 60s monkeys goodies that could be yours. If
1: the prize is right. That's oh, sorry, right. wrong game show moment. I'm sorry. I
0: don't know. I can't seem to keep my ball in the right place here as we podcast. I keep uh, having to turn look, it and
1: adjust it. I did switch from BBD to Haynes. okay? That's all I got to say.
0: <laughs> Personal problem. No, I'm we record in these giant uh, microphones. we well, are not that big, but they have these ball tops.
1: It sounds like a first world problem to me. <laughs> oh, anyways. it does. Right, so. And you have
0: to keep them angled toward your mouth. Oh, that's... I'm just digging a hole, aren't I? Yeah, you are. Let's just move um, on to another subject.
1: But we want to thank each and every one of you. There, there are 573 members of the group page right now. And we would be here till tomorrow morning. And Allison, Alice's wife, would throw me out. Um, she will, too. And me. And we want to thank each and every one of you for all the support. Um, all the group acti- the interaction on the page... All the support, all the uh, creative ideas, the, cri- the um, constructive criticism that we've gotten. Um, you guys help make us a better uh, podcast, whether we like it or not.
0: And for those of you offering non-constructive criticism, eat dirt. That's another Peterism. <laughs> That's isn't. a Peterism. Well, shall we get to the meat of the podcast?
1: Uh, I suppose, yes, since we have since fed them enough appetizers to keep them happy for a while so let's hit him with the big stuff so um this is going uh i if i sound a little bit uh surprised or off uh, thrown off flummoxed yes thank you flummoxed, is often flummoxed uh al has been threatening me for the last couple of weeks that he has some curveballs which he knows i'm lousy at hitting he's balls gonna again yeah, special
0: yeah. all ball episode
1: <laughs> so uh i'll throw it to you kimosav you explain what you're gonna do
0: well, I wanted to have kind of a round-robin. Just, can you have that with two people? Kind of a free-form discussion. As opposed discussion. to a round Batman? Don't get me going, citizen. No, I wanted to have sort of a free-form episode where I kind of uh, just get a discussion going. Mm-hmm. Off out of the blue, but it's a discussion that many fans have brought up and tossed about many times over the years.
1: It's not, it's not that... 86 album versus the 96 album again, right? We're not going down that road.
0: Oh, boy. Let's no, not. We've covered you. that ground in previous episodes. Mm-hmm. A we, certain 1987 LP we yeah. shall not mention.
1: No, I'm not going to do Don't that. Do that's that's Don't an old
0: My foghorn is worn
1: out.
0: <laughs> no. But we all know the interesting history of the Monkees as a recording entity. These four guys were bought together for a TV show. Don Kirshner's on one side. Creating the music that the show is going to need. At some point, it was decided albums would be put out, would be produced,
3: mm-hmm. and offered
0: to the public. Of course, we all know that. We know about how the guys were not happy with that situation and that grew and festered until they demanded complete control of their musical future,
2: mm-hmm.
0: headquarters, etc., etc. Now, I'm going to give you some what if scenarios. So okay. I'm just going to discuss them. Sure. These are scenarios many fans have thought about over the years. So,
1: just to let you know, uh, be, be, so that I have no idea what's going on, I have been hermetically sealed in a mayonnaise jar on, oh, Mickey, front porch. on the on the uh, shelves at Dolan's and Daughter's Furniture since noon yesterday.
0: Very sturdy shelves. Mm-hmm. Very well made shelves.
1: Like how I threw that plug in there for Dolan's and Daughter Furniture.
0: Um, That's right, Mickey. You know where to send the check.
1: That's right. Yeah, and Georgia is right. Just have Dad cut the check. No, we're kidding.
0: Actually, I've had an eye on some of those shelves they make. Anyway, here we go. All right. Now, here's my what-if scenario. We all know that things would have gone differently if Mike and Peter and the guys hadn't found a sympathetic ear with Bert and Bob. Mm Mm-hmm. What if they came to Bert and Bob with their grievances? We want to play our own instruments. This isn't the kind of music we really want to do. And Bert and Bob said, they just didn't say, do your own thing. But what if Bert and Bob said, guys, you have to share one half of an LP with Donnie. Now, we know, we've discussed that in the past. The egos Mm -hmm. would have not that made that happen. Mike's ego versus Donnie's. It no, but if
1: you're talking you're talking the Marvel alternate universe here, right? Oh, yes. So, truly, that could have been, that would have been the very best thing that could have ever happened yes. to the guys. And it would have, in my opinion, stopped them from just being a two-year flash in the pan as it were at the time. Interesting. Because, if you think about it, that, it, it's basically... Every album would have been like Mm Pac-J, if you think about it, because you would have had the slickly produced, Kirshner-esque stuff on the one side, plus you had, you, you go eight cuts on the second side to give each guy, each monkey, two songs of their own to do. Right. And this allows them to progress into the Daily Nightly, the Love Is Only Sleeping, the Lady's Baby the um, Randy Scouse get, mm-hmm. even Davey, you know, um, the stuff he wrote with Charlie Pitts. Sure. That would have that been the ideal scenario because it also would have kept, to me, I think it would have kept Boyce and Hart much more in play. Plus, they would have still had access to, to the Brill Building stuff.
0: And you're anticipating some of my next questions, but here's my take on it. Mike had threatened, when things were coming down to the wire here, that he would leave if they had to keep things going the way they were right. with Donnie. Which episode I, which
1: go back goes back to one of our previous episodes, which we will I'll I will have Al insert edit the episode where we talked about where Nez tells the story about the the real Don Steele and, and the girl I knew somewhere, how it saved the monkeys.
0: Now I wonder if this would have meant Mike walking, but now keep in mind what I said, they had to share an mm-hmm. LP with Donnie. This doesn't mean Mike in the studio with Donnie. My scenario is one half of the album, all monkeys. the other half, Donnie and his people. Yeah. Now, that's going to be a little crazy because you got, like, Mickey and Davy, the players, mm-hmm. in one camp, mm-hmm. and then they're running to the other camp to do vocals on you know, Donnie's side. True. But, as we've discussed before, I think that would have ensured, quote-unquote, you know, you can't really know, at least one or two hits off monkeys produced
2: LPs. Very true,
1: yeah. And, and that was the biggest drawback to to pac jan headquarters. Fa- um, and hopefully that would have in that they would have been able to pay uh and Music more for the rights to all of your toys. Mm-hmm. Because I still think that would have been a bigger hit than I'm a believer, but we'll get to that and that, that's we'll, we'll come back to that, but I agree with uh, to th- to me it, that would have been the perfect compromise solution in the in an alternative universe where Don Kirshner's ego is not overrun Mike's ego is not overrun
0: we have two people where it's all or nothing true that was the problem
1: that was the big thing
0: now see this to me again not to keep beating a dead horse but that may have worked because again Donnie's on his side Mm -hmm. Mike's on his side never the twain shall meet but Mike certainly would not want to be cheek to cheek have would not want to have tapioca tundra tundra, cheek to cheek with a teeny tiny gnome
1: or uh, yeah or something or Tapioca Tundra with um, sheep or right so
0: and is that how those albums would look see I always envision literally side one Donnie and his friends side two mm-hmm. headquarters you know
1: that's exactly that's exactly <laughs> how it should have been that, right. how it would have been
0: and if they didn't want to make a big deal about it just you would just know from the liner notes mm-hmm. hey it's a multi you know you you guess who did what you know mm-hmm. if they don't want yeah. to have that line of demarcation
1: well no now see there and again knowing ha- having h- hindsight we know that Nez would have made a big deal about this. Oh yeah. I mean there would have been there there would have been some sort of huge announcement in Variety or in mm-hmm. Cashbox saying Monkeys Kirshner, come to agreement half them half him. And there would have been a big you know, it it would have been as as great a collaboration as Lennon and McCartney and I'm just using that as to the scope of what that would have meant to Monkey them.
0: I think I, I can envision a headline monkeys add Bafo harp to act <laughs> I understand you have
1: a harp I understand you have a harp act. you're gonna be famous overnight
0: we're famous overnight mm-hmm. now here's another thing we talk about like the two vocalists Davy and Mickey running from each camp
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know going over here to put the uh, vocals on their, uh, their own self-produced music then running over to Donnie's side to do vocals for whatever he has
2: yeah
0: what about the two people from Donnie's camp that continue to be used voice and heart yeah now would Mike still say yes knowing that they're over there across the street working on Donnie's well, stuff?
1: Yeah, because Mike had a good working relationship with and Bobby. That's true. As, as Bobby recounted in our interview with him. Mm-hmm. Another episode plug. Go to blockspot, go to blockspot.com and check them all out. They're
0: all right there yeah, waiting right. for you.
1: When we're done with this, I need to I, I need to get a little something off my chest about this. So, something like that so sometime, I continue.
0: Just just thinking about that. Would they? Would Mike especially be still be more open to working with some of the Kershner stable and the writers and and the producers?
1: I would certainly think that as long as he got the opportunity. All right. Yes and no. Mm. Now, I'm sure that if Tommy and Bobby brought a good song to Mike, he would have said yeah. You know, but chances are they would have worked with Davey and Mickey more. Sure. I have the feeling that Nez would have taken his two Nez would have his two songs would have been original contributions, mm-hmm. and um, but the, uh, and, and that leads me. I'll, I'll have to do a sidebar in a second, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I really think that Boyce and Heart would have had more of an impact on Davies' stuff and some of Mickey's because Mickey was at that. Mickey's never been a prolific songwriter. He mm-hmm. writes when the mood strikes him. Sure, and the stream of consciousness consciousness stuff that he does, like with. Um, mommy and Daddy, Randy Scouse get going down. Uh, bye, bye, baby, bye, bye. The that's the kind of stuff he wrote. He wrote at that time. Changed when he got to justice. Um, but I think Boyce and Heart would have been more would have been more in tune with Mickey and Davy rather than Peter and, and maybe Peter, mm-hmm. but definitely not with Mike. Mike would have taken his two cuts and done his own stuff. Um, but the question, but that brings a question: mm-hmm. Who would have had final say so on what of their songs yep. got on the album?
0: And that's a whole other barrel of fish, barrel of monkeys.
1: In that case, I would have. Def- Donny would have had to agree to defer to Lester's. Lester deciding what songs of the guys go on that album.
0: See, we album. we forget we're bringing up the subject. how. we forget how with headquarters it was such a clean break. Even getting someone like Chip Douglas out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Now, certain engineers came over. See how I tie that in? Shh, we haven't told them That's about true. that true. That's yet. true. We'll get to that. But it was a very clean break. Now, let's go a little further. Okay. Forget um, divvying up sides of LPs. Mm-hmm. What if the guys went to Bert and Bob and he said, okay, you get total control, except Donnie and his people, they, get, they have to insert three songs that we all agree will be hits. How would that look? In other words, Ooh. we want to guarantee hits. We have to sprinkle headquarters and package j with what we call, quote, guaranteed hits. And again, Ooh. who gets to decide what's a guaranteed hit?
1: Well, in that case, I think Bert and Bob would have deferred to Donnie. Yeah. On that. I mean, Donnie, He's the man
0: with the golden ear.
1: There's no denying that Don Kirshner had the ear for hits. Yes. I would have said, okay, that's fine. Yep, you guys, out of the 12 cuts, you get nine. Donnie has... Donnie is allowed to put three songs that he, we believe he believes will be hits so that we can, we can keep the uh, the machine going keep the machine going and and you guys still
0: get to do whatever you, you want to want do
1: for the nine songs yep. but three have to be from Donnie
0: I see a problem where of course what we're saying is let's make it four because these are going to be singles oh, it could still be three but you're going well, to have because
1: because unless unless it was the Beatles, yeah. you know, very few albums That's had more than two or three hits on um, an album.
0: But can't you see Mike going, well, who's to say that my my fourth track on there mm-hmm. isn't as good as this thing you call a hit? Because he he at least got mm-hmm. to put his songs on the albums plus he got to you know, he got the girl that I knew somewhere out All there right. as a single.
1: Then in that case again, that goes to Lester Yes. As the uh, speaker of the house, if you will, with the deciding vote. Right. If if Lester would have Lester would have final say so on it, and you know I I would hesitate to think that if everything was stable, mm-hmm. I would consider Lester to be the most fair okay. judge of that. Yeah. If that makes sense. Sure. Or make it a three-man, you know, make it Lester, Tommy, and Bobby. Yeah. You know.
0: I think, you know, as long as we still had these other cooks in the kitchen, it would still be the guys having a problem with mm-hmm. the machine is still working. You're deciding what's a single. You're deciding what's hits. Yes, you've thrown us this bone. And that's quite a big bone, giving you three quarters of an album. Yeah, absolutely. But I just think uh, there could have been some middle ground. Again, if it had been anybody but Mike and Donnie, because there's no yeah. way with their a- egos.
1: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, and that's true. And that's not to say that you know, I'll I'll never take away I'll never take anything away from Donnie with his ability to pick hits. Donnie reminds me. Well, no, I'm not going down <laughs> that I'm not going down that road. Because Funny of, books. No, 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 I'm not going down that road because of. Um, we don't do political stuff oh. unless it's unless it's joking. Right. Donnie was done. I mean, this is all there is to it.
0: Which Donnie yeah. are we talking about? <laughs> not the current Donnie. No,
1: not the current. No, no. I
0: I'm am the saying. greatest. Yeah. The monkeys will succeed bigly. That's right. Just watch.
1: <laughs> but um, I will
0: not. Con- con- no. I will not collude with that Michael Nesmith. No there was collusion. no meeting. No, no, Out, no, oh.
1: We're gonna get in trouble with that. That's why I didn't say it. Uh, but if we're considering an alternative monkey universe, Monkey Earth Two. Where Don's ego is not quite so unchecked. Nez's ego is not so unchecked. Then I could see an uneasy alliance with Lester being the arbitrator. Right. You know? Sure. Or, Donnie gets... right. let's use your example. Mm -hmm. Four singles. Two from Donnie's side, two from the guy's side. See, that... That's the easiest way to to appease that. To have Donnie, make, you know, Donnie put two singles on the album. Give the guys ten cuts. Put two songs on the album that Donnie has produced that are guaranteed to be boffo, smasho. So people will yeah, want to buy the that's LP. Right. That's how it used to work back then. And then you give the guys, out of the other ten songs that they do, you give yeah. them the two, uh, not the B-sides, but you give them two singles of their own to release.
0: Oh, that's interesting interesting. Like, for
1: example, you know, right, I'm just going to pull these up because these are two of my favorite songs that should have been hits. Mm-hmm. You've got She mm-hmm. and you've got uh, Words. Right. Okay. Well, Words doesn't really count. That was Tommy and Bobby. That was before Donnie. All right, so we'll do She and Stone. Okay. All right, so you take She and Stone off of, more of, put them on Headquarters. Those are the two singles that Donnie releases and then but then we go into the B sides. Should the guy uh, let the Donny have the two A sides, but the B sides need to be the guys, and the other two singles that are released are the guys.
2: Yeah. And
0: well,
1: with Lester, with Lester having the final arbitration uh, decision on disputes.
0: Very interesting. Now, with this scenario, what would the uh, the post um, more of the monkeys' LPs be like? What would Headquarters be like? Would it be the same album? Because we see people that make their own, like, dreams,
2: mm-hmm. not
0: set lists, what do you call it? Track lists. Yeah. And it's always funny to see somebody throw in on Headquarters, say, uh, something that came, don't listen to Linda or something, because we're so used to what the, they're set in stone for us. So it'd be so he's, weird to he's see Be
1: reaching over for the More of the monkey yeah. box set.
0: <laughs> I keep it with me at all times. Hung around my neck by a okay. string. No, but... Wouldn't that be strange to see, uh, like Pack and Jay, salesman right next to, uh, you know, I love you forever. No, not, not what am I thinking of? Um, the day we fall in love. I mean, it's it's so crazy to think that way. There will be birds singing everywhere. Watch the UV. No, that's the VU. Oh,
1: the VU. <laughs> Al. The UV. We haven't. No, that's that's a, outside in the sun. Ivy, yes. My um. Ivy.
0: Did you not go over my uh, my solution again? All right,
1: so. All right, but all right. Let me take that back Not, um because I forget. I'll go. She and Mary Mary, okay, as as, as opposed to Steppenstone, because
0: both should have been heads, yeah.
1: yeah, I mean those those three, she, Mary Mary, and, and Steppenstone could have been singles. All right, so let's take Mary Mary, and Steppenstone, mm-hmm. put them on headquarters. So you also put if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, then you're looking at um. I don't think you know me. Mm-hmm. Um, words. Where am I at here? um I would have put Cripple Creek on there because yeah. it gives Peter, Peter yeah. a chance. And, of course, uh, the slow version of Teardrop City. Right. The original version. Mm-hmm. But again, the key to me for headquarters, for the guys, is all your toys.
0: Oh, yes. And what you just described, you think about it with Headquarters, it all feels like it belongs. Yeah. What I was describing to you, my, for instance, stuff, was stuff that, you know, obviously was kind of... Off know, the wall. Yeah, d- didn't really gel with the later mm-hmm. stuff. But you just proved, yes, you can do this, use the earlier stuff, use Kirshner stuff, and it would fit. And
1: you could have they could have gone in and finished the story of rock and roll. Yes. They could have... Um... I forget what the one off the... The one that started... Doo, 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 Fever. Fever, yeah. Love that thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. those are cool. Yeah. But then, also, it would have made it to the point where they didn't have to be just the four of them, and they wouldn't have had to go through such a painstaking... They could have learned how to cut the album, you know, basically... More slowly. Keep Hal... Keep Hal Blaine in there or right. keep... You know, uh, somebody like that. And then just because... Again, never to take anything away from Mickey, mm-hmm. but that had to be the most difficult thing for Chip to do, was was Mickey's drumming ability. Right. You know, I wonder who we could ask about that. Uh, oh, I, wait, I, uh, I Bad Allen, Bad Allen, Bad Allen, hmm. Bad Allen. Crazy. Yeah, I know. All hey right. guys, just so you know,
0: we're leading up to something with this. Trust me, the hints. Now, let's go back to the half an album is Donnie's, half an album is the Monkees. Mm -hmm. Would there be some animosity or some hurt feelings if Donnie used, and you know he would, the hit makers, Davey and Mickey, would would that mean the vocals for the other half would pretty much be Peter and Mike only? Now, Mike was always very good about saying, Mickey, you can sing, this is for you. No,
1: I think as long as Mike was getting to produce his music, right, and...
0: And we've heard him as a producer on these yeah. recent uh, mm-hmm. releases from Rhino.
1: And I think Peter just wanted to play. True. Peter has always said he just wanted to be part of a group. Right. Now, if this gave them, you know, how at the end, using shifting to a Beatles reference, mm-hmm. toward the Who? end there, yeah, those those four guys.
0: That's a different podcast. We'd like to thank the Beatles for being a great group.
1: Yeah. Um, but at the end there, Billy Preston became the fifth Beatle. Right when you get to let it be and, and, and the last two albums there mm-hmm. so what if they actually hired another drummer to become the quote unquote fifth monkey right that would have freed Mickey up to play rhythm guitar that would have given you know Davy you know Peter could have played keyboards as well again while teaching David the bait the right. rudimentary bass right. but it would have given Mickey a chance to play rhythm guitar still have a and have a much stronger back backbone if you will. Mm-hmm. And then they could have become more of a group. Right. Which would have kept Peter happy. Right. Because one of the things, I, one of the things I've always wanted to ask Nikki, and, yeah, as, to, as shifting from headquarters in, in the real world, shifting from headquarters to Pac-J, you've got this, whoever was in their ear saying, well, you guys just go your separate ways. You've done the group thing. You can create four times as much music. I'd like to jack-slap whoever did that.
0: Four times as much uh, glory, too. Guess what they were telling Davey? Why split those four ways when it's all about you, man? Yeah. The same thing was being told to, to Mickey and Peter and, and yeah. Mike. Now, here's a question that dovetails into our upcoming I, special I, I, guest, but okay.
2: right. no. doesn't give away too much. All right.
0: Let's say they do just what we described. They do their own thing, but Donnie is allowed to sprinkle three or four songs mm-hmm. that are, quote, surefire hits, unquote, or gets half an album. Mm-hmm. Now they have to go on the road would there be some hurt feelings over hey we know all you people want to hear pretty much the hits Mm -hmm. or would it not make a difference because we know now what they did in concerts in the 70s was a sprinkling of both
1: yeah no I don't think it would have mattered at all but what I would have done is I would have continued to have like the candy store profits behind them because it made for a better overall sound oh yeah now if the garage band was what they really wanted to do then they have the set like then there's a set where there's just the four of them Mm mhm um,
0: like they would do later um, for the yeah. Justice Tours. Yeah. At least overseas.
1: Yeah. Mike didn't tour in the U.S. Uh, that's all right. But uh, don't 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 scrape off that scab, Al. Scrape off that scab.
0: I'm I'm still not upset over that.
1: No, not at all. <clears throat> easy, easy. no Hulk down, Al. Hulk down. Hulk <clears throat> down, Hulk down.
2: <clears throat>
0: okay. Um, now, you mentioned this. You 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 foresaw this question. Let's say this this was done. This little scenario was. Uh, was the game plan and they had hits and everything was fine would it have lengthened the the lifespan of the monkeys these things have that natural two year lifespan these kind of you know teen sensation things yeah
1: like a comet yeah I mean or like a like a shooting star
0: it was like Star Trek you know like I was Leonard Nimoy I'm kidding little Mickey reference there
1: here is here is again it goes back to the real world monkeys as we know them right versus the alternate universe that we're discussing if the guys had had a Brian Epstein-like manager, a Svengali. not necessarily a Svengali, but somebody that was fair, that that managed the business accordingly, and helped the guys to understand it's cyclical. Right. Somebody with somebody with enough experience in the music business to understand that it comes and goes in cycles. Right. All right we all have in our mind occasionally these dreams where we put ourselves in different scenarios similar to this
0: mm-hmm. like the one where i'm naked with Pamela Sue Martin Don't even, yeah. oh, oh pamela
1: Nancy Drew <laughs>
0: oh I, I thought you knew
1: oh my gosh where else are you going to get a Nancy Drew reference in a podcast that's not related to Nancy Drew
0: and then linda carter shows up with the hot sauce and the fava beans and then I haven't ma- told and, you this. And the, and
1: the magic lasso. That's
0: not what the scenario you're thinking okay, about? No, that's not the scenario oh. I'm thinking
1: about. No, no, no Okay. No. All right, so. With me, it was Linda Evans and, uh, um, um... John um, Forsythe? No, not John F- <laughs> No, not that. I'm talking Big Valley Linda Evans.
0: John Forsythe.
1: And then, uh, Rebecca Blair, who used to be on, who was Daniel Boone's wife. Okay. Yeah, uh, sorry,
0: that's... That's, that's right. real. You thought I, just, I was obscure. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Listen, I I'm know. older than you. I'm older than Dite. You know All I right. don't judge whatever floats your boat at night. All right
1: Here's what I would have done had I been in Nez's shoes. Here's here's what I've done if I'd been in had if I had been Mike. To get it to the point where where we see the inertia is starting to wind down. Right. Okay. Take a break. Take a year, year and a half break. Everybody gets to go work on solo projects. If they want you to participate in, you know, like we did with Milkshake. Mm -hmm. If, you know, Peter's doing a solo record, he wants Mike and Mickey to come sing backup.
0: Let's be honest, a year, that'd be Peter still working on Lady's Baby. True. Can you guys provide background vocals for this 87th take?
1: Yeah, but but you see what I'm saying. Understanding that when you see it start to go down, before it bottoms out, you say, okay, hey, listen, guys, we're going to take a break. We're going to do, we're not breaking up. Right. But we're going to stop doing We're going to each Take a, take a look and, and do production Let Davey go on stage Let let right. Davey go tour With a play If he wants to And do the TV appearances And do the TV appearances Do, do the Brady Bunch Do the Love American Style Go on the
0: Davey Lovin show Yeah that's right David Lovin <laughs> I love that show yeah. He used to come out Of the wall With her jokes mm-hmm. Is
2: that a second joke?
0: Very interesting But stupid Stupid but I'm really testing the filter today. I've got a new filter, folks. It's supposed to stop my sh- sh- my whistling S's. Like who is the western guy that used to sh-? Gabby Hayes or somebody?
1: No, no. You're thinking of the you're thinking of the old guy on Family Guy. Oh. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay yes.
1: All right. Yes, yes,
2: oh, the yes. fellow that likes uh, you know, the Uncle old boy,
1: guy with can... the walker. You see? All right, but yeah, that's right. But take it to your hiatus. Relax, recharge, do solo projects. And then, two years after two years, you come back because every great group right. that has succeeded, the Stones, Aerosmith, um, Foreigner,
0: Lester Crabtree and the Three Le- Crabs—that's
1: right, the Jolly Green Giants—all greats. Although the Sweet Three Swine, the Four Swine, ended up in Behind Bars, but that's another—that's yeah. that, for America's Most Wanted. But that's our
0: next podcast. That's right. We've dug up those guys, and we're going to have exclusive interviews. That's
1: right. But, well, we got
0: th- two of the Three Swine. At least.
1: Yeah, but but you see what I'm saying. All the great groups that continue to be popular right and continue to record to, to, to continue to be relevant took breaks. And as like Glenn Fry said for the record, we never broke up we just took a 14-year vacation
2: right
0: And you know the role that Brian Epstein played he didn't just handle the non-creative stuff so these four guys could be creative, the Beatles. You need someone that's a little off to the side that goes okay let, let's reel it in a little bit or, mm-hmm. For the monkeys, that would have been okay. Peter's left the group. It's early nineteen sixty-nine. You need someone to go. You know, maybe being a country group isn't the way to go, Mike, because that yeah. was kind of the way they leaned. But if the guys had come to him and said, "I want to, we want to do this," he could have been okay. Let me put my energies behind that. Mm-hmm. There was no one. It's like you had no captain of the ship.
1: And see, that's where I will always have a problem with Ward Sylvester. Yeah, rest his soul. He was important in Davy's career. He was important in the early monkeys days. But he made the wrong decision. He went for the big money. Right. Where he could have stayed and been you know, he, he could have he could have been Brian Epstein.
0: He went for the short term goal short-term. and not the long term yeah. goal. Yeah,
1: apparently they, you apparently know, they must have just seen this as as just a very, you know because most of the, let's be honest. Most teen idols are like that. Mm-hmm. Sean Cassidy David Cassidy rest his soul Bobby uh, Sherman Bobby Sherman the Bay City Rollers
0: go on and on up to the Andy Gibb day.
1: yeah uh, you know it's
0: yes. all that two year mm-hmm. thing um, I also think too of course we know the guys kind of miss, had a little misstep there sure shows off the air they never had a more important time to be present here mm-hmm. they go and tour the far east yeah Um, They don't, they don't, in fact, I didn't realize this until recently, the concerts that they did for the Circle Sky Head segment, that's the only stuff they did over here, concert-wise. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Everything was Australia and Japan.
0: Out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. And another thing the Beatles had, too, they had a George Martin. That's right. He was there for every album, and he was the guy, you might not think this with some of the stuff the Beatles did, he was the guy that maybe took Paul or John aside and said, this is getting a little too wild, why don't we tone it back? You don't think of that period of the Beatles as being anything but wild, but you did they Did have someone saying, you know, I'm over here. Hey, guys, that's where you're in just
2: a bit.
1: You just hit on what could be the greatest what-if story of all time. Oh, here we go. What if George Martin had had a hand in the later monkeys? Know. What if, what if, when they go to Great Britain, mm-hmm. Mike hits it off with George Martin? George Martin.
0: He met Brian Epstein. Yeah,
1: he met Brian Epstein. The Beatles threw him party. Mm-hmm, yeah. But the well, monkeys. because we know because Brian Brian didn't make it through the entire thing. So, right. but what if there's some long parties? Yeah, absolutely. Little joke. But what if Mike had been able to convince George Martin to in in between Beatle albums come work with them? Can you just imagine?
0: And they had an audience over there. People That's forget right. that. that was a big market for them. Mm-hmm. It seems ridiculous, but again, Mike was also about. Getting attention for the group and respect, mm-hmm. which he might not admit now, but that was important for these young. Oh, men. absolutely! Well, I mean, of course. What it was. more respect could you get? And the, George the, Martin, the guy in between Beatle albums, he's making Monkey albums, folks. Yeah, and I think that would have made a difference on how the Monkeys would proceed back then. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, Def-
1: the Brit. But you know what? Knowing the British press as we do, oh, in boy. hindsight, the British press would have crucified George Martin.
0: Why is he producing these fakes That's from right. the states? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but think about what he he could have brought out of course it would have been studio musicians as well because we know God love them the guys weren't talented musicians like the Beatles were well sure but but that's not to say that Mickey's not a great a good rhythm guitar player that's not to say that David's David was a great percussionist yes I mean if you think about it he was the timekeeper yep yeah, you know, Nez plays a good. Uh, Nez can play good rhythm guitar. He can also right. play solo. He could also play solo when needed to. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is look at the Pleasant Valley Sunday riff. Sure. Um, Peter could not only play uh, bass guitar. He could have taken some of the lead.
0: And he played drums. Keyboard. Sometimes.
1: Keyboard yep. David. David could have been the drummer. You know. I mean. Yep. But. But you. But you have a guy like. You have a guy like Hal Blaine or Hell. Even Jimmy Nickel. You remember, yeah. who, all right? Yeah. You, when I say the name Jimmy Nickel, you know who that is, right? Nope. For those of you who don't, Jimmy Nickel was the drummer that replaced Ringo on the first European tour after Beatlemania hit.
0: Ringo got sick. Ringo right? got sick. Yeah. yeah, and he has but, a really cute sister named Christy.
1: No. Oh, that's Mac Nickel.
0: Did I tell you about my uh, my little scenario where Christy teams up with Pamela Sue Martin. Oh, never mind. All the '70s stars get together.
1: Al, I hate to break it to you, yeah. but Christy don't swing that way.
0: Oh, wait. What you mean? Is this gonna be like when you told me about Jody Foster? Yeah, that was just last year, and you broke my heart.
1: She 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 doesn't swing like Tazan.
0: No wonder she doesn't answer all those letters That's I write right. to her. And I sent her a copy of Catcher in the Rye and everything. All right, we're getting a little too. Yes, uh, we are. We're going down a weird place.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, but, Peter
0: himself said in later years, "I didn't realize then. I wish someone had told me these fallow periods, these peaks and valleys, are natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just. And mm-hmm. think about this: the monkeys ride out, 1969, same scenario. It's lukewarm reception." But guess what's different? The show's now on Saturday morning. Yep. That's where I discovered it, and it mm-hmm. did get quite a bit of interest. That's right. Monkey's Greatest Hits comes out from Cold Jims, mm-hmm. but maybe you've got this little second wind, mm-hmm. even as a trio, that yeah. says, "Guys, there's a new audience." And out. Say,
1: listen, yeah, and, and by that time, 69, 69, 70, George Martin was the the Beatles were ending there, and yeah. it would have been the perfect time to George, help us, come help us. We 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 we, we want it, it's we feel it's time come join us in, in this album. And there's there's no... You, you would have gotten... You, you would have gotten part first national band. You would have gotten yeah. part, part pop. Mm-hmm. And because I feel George Martin could have brought... Can you imagine what George Martin could have done with Mike and country rock?
0: It blows the mind.
1: It does. But, I mean, that was... You
2: know, I.
0: And you think of Mickey's early 70s stuff, which thanks to Ian Lee has seen the light of day. Well, in a new way, has seen the light of day. That AMG could have been said. factored in. Mm-hmm. Davies Bell album, he, he was disappointed with that, had a lot of dissatisfaction. All, all the Bobby been.
1: Sherman rejects, Yep. Yes. And, changes and Peter would have had something to do. Changes would have never happened.
0: Right. I couldn't see Sir George working on All Alone in the Dark. No. I think you need a little more kazoo, uh,
1: Davey. Yep. <laughs> uh, midnight, well, tra- midnight Train could have been interesting
0: well, so much for my short little little uh, roundtable discussion here, but I think it's been very interesting. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much every question I had written down. Yep, It's fun to play what if, of course. It's like when people say, again, I don't want to get too dark, I don't want to get too sad, but it's like when people say, what if John Lennon had lived. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um. But, and we never know. All we can do is play what if yeah. until the cows come home. But... That's
2: right.
1: Speaking of Ian. Oh, yeah. Did you see the latest? I think the, I did. The cover, the cover artwork has been approved for the FNB Redux, Live at the Troubadour. Okay. So, we are all waiting with bated breath for that, Ian. I want you to know that that is going to be an exciting thing, and hopefully we'll get to talk to Nez and Mickey about it. Uh, Mickey Miller, i got to ask Jody about Mickey. So, uh, yeah, so.
0: And when I'm in the gym, I often put on my uh, listen-to-the-band mm-hmm. track list to listen to on the headphones. Yep. Ian's recent uh, Monkeys uh, tribute compilation.
1: Mm-hmm. Me, I'll just stick,
0: where, stick with there will be birds singing everywhere, and that also represents that also references a past.
1: The last episode, as a
0: matter of fact, episode that too, and that, <laughs> episode seventeen, and episode, episode seventeen uh, mm-hmm. reflects back to our previous "Here No Evil" episode. All episode easy 11. to find. Thank mm-hmm. you, episode eleven, easy to find on our blog page.
1: And speaking of that, yes, before we get to the before we get to the dessert today, yes. Um... I wanted to wanted to let you guys know, um, when you're looking, we, as I said, we appreciate all the support, but I want to take a minute to really try to get you guys to go to the tpcmpmonkeyscast.blogspot.com page because if all you're doing is clicking on the SoundCloud to link, you're missing so much because Al does an amazing job Preparing it, he prepares the he does the header with the logo that you see all the time, with all the different pictures and and the and giving you te- the descriptions,
0: recipes,
1: and he puts some amazing rare stuff and tie-in stuff on the Blogspot page. So again, it's tpcm tpchcmonkeyscast.blogspot.com. If you're not checking it out, you guys are really missing a lot to tie it in, and you can you can see the hard work that he does, and I just want to thank you for that, man, because thank you, yes. there are some, you just you just do yeoman's work. And yeoman's work without wearing the red shirt, so they know we know you'll be around for the next episode of Star
0: Trek. It takes your audio experience and makes it a visual experience also.
1: Wait, you mean kind of like the prison?
0: Well, it's kind of like that. You read the book as you listen to the record, and then, uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the monkeys was a was a multimedia kind of right. presentation too.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so just check it out. That's all
0: I'm asking. Thank you. Okay, before we get to our special interview guest, it's time for a remix. One of my remixes from a few years ago. In fact, this is a big one. This is my remix of "I'm a Believer." You ever hear of that song? It was a little. Little Moon song back
1: in the I'm day. a Retriever wasn't that weird Al Yankovic?
0: And I think it was in that cartoon of the green guy the Hulk I guess yeah. sings it or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How this came about I was drumming along I used to have a full drum set in my studio right where Alan is sitting and I was drumming along with the song just practicing and having fun and I thought you know they could use a few more fills on this song a few more little places like that so I decided to take the vocalist early run through track of the song I think it was on one of Rhino's releases from about 10 years ago Extended it like I do all my remixes. Added another bridge. Layered in Mickey's vocals. Added some things where other people have done this song, including Mickey. Um, you know, some little guitar breaks from other performers that, that fit. Um, other vocal takes from Mickey that fit. Added some extra bass. My own drumming. Uh, like I said, some extra cymbals, extra vocals, and harmonizing. You hear some electric guitar. Some vibra slap, some cowbell. <laughs> everyone needs more cowbell so what happened was I, and have a, I have a weird effect toward the end you gotta listen for it it's actually me with a slide whistle but it sounds like this electronic effect after I got through basically putting electronic effects on it and it, it makes the song end up sounding like some kind of a club rave it's, it's very uh, very raucous and very uh, raw not so, polished. not so not so polished yes thank you but uh Instead of me talking about it, why don't we let you hear it? So that means Alan needs, needs to summon his alter ego.
2: <coughs> There'll be... No, sorry.
0: Not that one. Wrong alter ego.
1: 321K, just next time with the Real Don Steel. Time for the remix section of the Texas Warrior Chicken Home Companion Monkeys Podcast. Monkeys!
2: Monkeys! Monkeys!
1: Monkeys! Al Bigley, fire up that I'm a Believer remix. Monkeys! Monkeys! Monkeys!
2: Oh, one more start, please Rolling on 18, I'm a believer I Her- have
1: Kitties, you've been very patient. So we've teased this a couple of times, and as with the interviews with Nez and with Bobby Hart, there are certain people that are still with us in Monkeydom that you really want to talk to. The gentleman that we're going to welcome into the family this afternoon is a man who was there for not only the monkeys, more of the monkeys' headquarters, but produced the live '67 album. He is one of the most renowned studio engineers. He had an amazing career. Uh, probably the highlight, other than the Monkees, at least for me, was the 1970s Carole King uh, classic album, Tapestry. Now, we like to thank him in advance for putting up with the technical difficulties that we had. During the interview, the mics were acting like Mike.
4: What do you mean by that? I don't understand.
1: No, 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 Michael Jackson.
0: That not... could have been your face. <laughs>
1: At this time, we are proud to welcome to the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys Podcast family, recording engineer extraordinaire, and the man who's behind the song, No Time, Hank Chicalo. Well, Al, again we have another one of those watershed moments on the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion where you have one of the holy grail of monkeysdom people. We'd like to welcome to the show now, welcome to the uh, family, a man who is there for not only the Monkees album, more of the Monkees headquarters, Live 67, and is one of the top recording engineers of all time. We want to welcome to the family Hank Chicalo. Hank, thanks for taking some time, and uh, how are you today?
4: I'm fine, and it's a pleasure to work with you guys.
1: Well, we appreciate you taking the time. Um, We want to go back to, prior to the Monkees, the first thing we want to find out was, how did you get? Uh, what was it about recording engineering that, that got you? That grabbed you? Well, let me let you, me
4: give you a rundown. I uh, I started in the recording industry uh, in the mid mid fifties. I had been in the Marine Corps for four years and fought in Korea. I came out of uh, the military, out of the Marine Corps, and I was going to school in New York and uh, to become an electrical engineer. I got a job at a recording studio part time and fell in love with recording. And I stayed in that studio called Studio called Audio Sonic, and uh, it was a demo studio. And uh, in those days, no tape. We were working with uh, discs and doing demos and stuff like that. And it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I left school and uh, worked there for about a year and a half, and uh, wanted to leave. I had to leave New York because the, the weather was killing me. Back to Rain and snow and all that stuff, It reminded me of Korea, and I just had to get out of here, get out of there. So I, anyway, we ended up driving to California, and I had a got a job in a small studio, that worked out okay. Uh, worked there for about a year, then was lucky enough to get a job at Capitol. I stayed at Capitol for about eight eight and a half years, and uh, worked in the cutting rooms, and then the second as in the second engineer and then suddenly worked my way up into mixing and i was doing dates of capital it was really great i got a i had a move to rca rca had just opened up their studios the new studios they had had the original rca studios were uh, uh what the nbc studios used to be television studios where they did red Skelton and people like that and uh then they had Opened up and built these new studios, and anyway, I went to work there, and oh, I was doing great. I loved it. I was doing a lot of stuff for Dot Records, and uh, I was I was doing gee all kinds of big band things. Harry James, Duke Ellington, uh, 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 geez, a lot of girl singers, uh, Peggy Lee, and so forth. I had a really great time with that, and then I got a call. As you know, as you, I'm sure you all know that. Uh, the first the monkey thing was done with uh, Mickey, and uh, uh, it was, uh, what can I say, it was uh, Pleasant Valley Sunday, uh, Boyce and Hart did the, record, the original record, and it was before, the, actually, they, before even the guys were even, the band was even formed as a group. Uh, so that came out fairly early.
0: I think the song was Last Train to Clarksville.
4: Yeah, Last Train to Clarksville. Uh, it was done by a guy named Dave Hassinger. Dave Hassinger, uh, when the Monkey Things came around to do, uh, Dave Hassinger ran off to do uh, the Rolling Stones. Uh, Boys and Hart asked me to if I would do the Monkeys. I had no idea who the Monkeys were, I had no idea what it was all about. But we started doing tracks, and uh, uh, then I, got, I found out it was a TV show to be and, and all that stuff. And So those early tracks were all done with uh, studio musicians. Uh, Great players, great players, and we were getting great music and great tunes from Screen Gem writers We were all in Screen Gems of course was writing, involved in all of the music a part of the show. And uh, Donnie Kirshen was running Screen Gems music. And uh, we had all these absolutely great writers. And uh, the tracks were done by what we what we used to call here the wrecking crew, which was Hal Blaine and, and all these a lot of these great uh, players and uh, uh, the tracks went really well, I had no idea who the monkeys were until we started doing vocals. And suddenly like these guys would show up and I'd go what is this? Well well, we're going to do vocals and it would be Mike or it would be Davy and I finally worked my way into like, knowing what was going on and uh, and so we progressed. And uh, in that first year, uh, I wanted to keep doing my stuff that I was doing on the side, you know, the stuff that I was basically doing during the day. And it worked out fine because the guys, because they were shooting TV during the day, uh, they couldn't do vocals or any overdubs until the evening. So I would be doing my stuff during the day and then I would stay on and, and do vocals and stuff and we'd do mixes and and whatever else, so before the show actually came out, Donnie Kirchner came from New York, and uh, I remember the st- studio b at uh, at r c a was a fairly large room, but we all we needed was the control room, and we must have had thirty tracks done uh, and uh, in all in all in all shapes the four track two track uh sixteen track I oh, know A-Track I guess we never went never went to fixing track A-Track and he played all of these we had to play them over and over again so he decided that what was the first album and that was the first album that came out and it uh, went on you know we we uh, did more with the writers and stuff like that and the guys worked with the writers as well uh Mike did for example Mike uh, we got a, a demo from uh, Carol King and and uh, 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 Jerry Goffin called. Uh, uh, what was that thing called? Uh, Pleasant Valley Sunday. And if you knew anything about Carol King and Jerry Goffin's demos, they were they were like a really finished record. They didn't do demos like a piano and a voice thing. They was they were always a little bit more. You know, sometimes they have drums. Sometimes so they were really much like a record. And they had to build in, in these. Records. They'd build these hooks, and you just had to go along with them. Mike Nesmith loved this tune. tune. And we did Michael. We did uh, Michael. And I came in on a Saturday, and we did Pleasant Valley Sunday uh, with Mike doing guitar, and we had studio guys doing the, the other parts of the drums and so forth. Uh, um, and uh, we did Pleasant Valley Sunday all in one day. Uh, and uh, one of the funny things about that one was uh, Mike said, Hank, you know, I really love the sound in that bathroom. I love the echo in the bathroom. I said, what are you talking about, the men's room? He said, yeah, yeah. I said, well, what do you want to do? He said, can we do the vocal in the men's room? I said, sure. So I ran microphone lines in there and earphone lines in there and we did Pleasant Valley Sunday in the bathroom. That's where the vocal came from. But it was great we had a lot of fun and the guys were great they came in and do their vocals and but it you know the stress of the doing that and plus the fact that they got more popular they wanted to do their own thing and that they wanted to play their own music and so forth so uh,
0: now that's that's a great place to start talking about headquarters when they approached you to headquarters we were aware that the monkeys themselves were so upset with the previous setup of just doing the vocals were you aware of any of that controversy at the time
4: you mean they wanted wanting and wanting to do their own album
0: right exactly
4: well yeah we can they talked about it they wanted to do their own album but the thing was that you know from a musician standpoint uh you know, you're talking about great studio players to guys who weren't playing all of with the exception of mike now, mike was a an accomplished player. Mike played guitar, all kinds of guitars. He was a writer. Uh, he done records before. I mean, he was really into it. Uh, Davey did some singing, and he was pretty good at that. Davey was supposed to be the bass player in the band, uh, but that didn't work out. He didn't want to do that. But he played percussion. He was, he was a great percussion player, and it worked out really well. Uh, uh, Mickey uh, became the drummer. He never played drums before. Uh, funny. I'll give you a funny story about with him with drums. Lester Sill, who was the vice president of Screen Gems, uh, wanted to, uh, him to be the drummer, and he said, "Okay, I'll, I'll you know get somebody." And he had, we had uh, Lester had got uh, a, a, one of the studio drummers to teach him how to play drums. But the cottage people that bring brought the drums over to his house, just they just put the drums up in the living room and just set them there. And Mickey proceeded to play the drums the way they just laid them down. Like the cymbal was on the wrong side, the snare was on the other side. I mean, it was like backwards. Having been a drummer in my uh, my youth, I knew how a drum should be set up. And uh, when it came for the, to give him lessons, Earl Palmer, who was a very famous studio drummer, in L.A., went to his house to teach him how to play drums, he called up uh, Lester Sillis and said, Lester, I, c- I can't teach him. He's been playing drums for three weeks this way, and uh, it's, the, you know, the drums are a little backwards. Uh, I, I can't uh, teach him. I can't break him and uh, start him the other way. So he always played that way. So what I would do in the studios, I would turn around the drums and put them in this perspective, even though it was a little hard for me to do that, in a perspective, so I would be from an audience perspective to see the drums, even though his drumming, his snare was on the wrong side of his hi-hat. I don't know if you make that sense, but, Mm -hmm. you know, those things are a little awkward. But he played that way, and it played great. So we just left it alone.
1: Well, it's kind of like, you you look at it, he he had the hi-hat set up almost like where one of the cymbals would be. So when you see him play today, you see him... Yeah, it it looks like he's playing a hi-hat which is on the far right side and then he had the cymbal just up above it. So, yes, it's... Yeah, like,
2: you know, if
4: you're looking from the drum perspective, the drums would be, uh, the ride cymbal, for example, would be on the right side. But from the perspective, audience perspective, it's on the left side. So, anyway, I just turned it around to make it from an audience perspective and it worked out fine. Nobody even knew what was going on. Although it was sometimes a little difficult to make a drum fill when the drums were turned around. But anyway, it worked it worked out great. And he was really, had a lot of energy. You know, he, he just, he just really went at it. So it was fine. Well, ben, Mike was ben. a consummate I'm player. Sure Mike had, huh? Go ahead, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, yes. Mike was a consummate player. He, had, he played guitar. He was a good writer. He was uh, really, really fine. Davey, was it would have been the bass player. That's the story I heard, but he didn't want to get into that, but he played percussion, and he was a great percussion player. Uh, Peter played guitar and some keyboards and stuff. wasn't great, but he played, you know, and it, was, and it worked out all for you. So So when we got to headquarters, they wanted to do their own album. It took us time, you know. We just had to take a long time doing the album. But, I don't, and I don't mean in, in the sense that it was, like, overboard, uh, because you could do albums for like, a, take a, you know, with some groups, you could, like, you know, i like Stones, they took three months to do one album. But we did, like, we did headquarters, I think, in about four weeks or five weeks with them in the studio uh, every day, and it worked out okay. And, and of course, that was when, uh, uh, we got uh you know a producer came in you know the, the, boys, uh, the boys and boys and hard left and uh, and uh, chip Douglas came in and chip was great with them chip was uh, uh, they, uh he and Mike were really good friends and, and uh, uh, he had worked with the turtles and, and stuff like that and he was uh the groups like that and uh, he was a fairly good he was a good player himself and so. Uh, he worked out great for them. He was a good producer, and he let them have their thing. He was great at being able to pick out what they wanted to do and, and work it out. And, and so it took us a little bit more time, but but it worked out great.
2: Was, was, thought,
1: was Mickey's drumming the the biggest kind of headache that you had to deal with? Because we hear the stories that it Chip says that it took you know ten or twenty takes for you guys to get a real good drum fill in order to put on the master track. So. <laughs>
4: Well, there were were times like that, sure. You know, I mean, again, he was playing backwards, if you wanted to say that. But but I'm sure it took took us time to get some things done. But we got, you know, we just got it done. Uh, We were in one studio, which was a nice-sized room, Studio C at RCA. Across the way, Studio B with the Stones, doing Satisfaction. And we were in another room, and... Uh, doing them Headquarters album. So uh, it, it, it worked out okay. Everything worked out fine. And like I said, there were things that, uh, you know, uh, our, our slowest things were uh, the trouble with Ed, uh, any kind of overdubbing was uh, with, with Peter. And I don't want to put him down, but he, he just, they took time with him. Mm-hmm. Mickey, we all enjoyed because Mickey tried to, he just worked his ass off trying to get things done, you know. And he sang great. Well, you can't put that down.
0: So you mean the trouble uh, with Peter was vocally? I'm sorry. You mean the trouble with Peter was his vocal um, abilities? I'm trying to be uh, uh, diplomatic too.
4: I, I don't want to get into a thing with Peter. I, okay. I, you know, Peter was Peter. He's uh, Peter wanted to do everything in the world, and he, and he wasn't. He didn't have those kind of chops. He did okay.
0: So what was your opinion of the material they wanted to record and how it came out on
4: Headquarters? Uh, their own stuff, you mean, on Headquarters? Right, Headquarters. Well, they yeah. t- had great tunes because they still had, some of those tunes were still Screen Gem tunes, songs, and the songs that they came up with were fine. And then, of course we had, uh, was Harry Nielsen's uh, Cuddly Toy in that group? I don't remember.
0: That was the next album, but it was close.
4: Yeah, so they, you know, uh, I was working. I, I was friendly with with uh, Paul Williams, the writer and composer, and uh, uh, I used to hang out at his office all the time. He was great. It was just a lot of fun to be around. He had a great sense of humor. That's where I met Harry, and uh, Harry was still working in the bank as a teller and trying to get his music career started. Uh, they were looking for more material, and I. Uh, told Chip, you know, we, we, I introduced him to to uh, Harry, and uh, that's where Cuddly Toy came from. He listened to a bunch of tunes, and they are like they all like Cuddly Toy, and they started Cuddly Toy, and and that's how that came about. Do you know what the story about Cuddly Toy is? Oh, the original meaning. <laughs> when when after we had done the after we had done the album, the album was out. <laughs> I asked. I asked Harry, Harry, what did you come up with a title, of Cuddly Toy? Cuddly Toy, in biker language, was the girl that, a chick that kept, was, was, would go from guy to guy. They just passed her around. That was a cuddly toy. So when Les Vasil and Screen Gems found out what the title of the song was about, they freaked. But nobody said anything, and we just let it go, and that was all it, it was. It was too late, and then it was already in a record.
0: I've actually gotten in trouble on Facebook telling sweet little old ladies who were Davy Jones fans what that song actually meant, and they just couldn't believe it. I'm like, (laughs) Nilsson himself would tell Uh, you what it meant.
4: The writer himself. I know, I know. uh, uh, I heard some of those stories, how how we had to bend it all around and tell them what it was about. But uh, at that time, nobody knew what it was about, and and, uh, it's all right, it was one of those things. Of course, Harry Nilsson, was a good, his talent was uh, just amazing. I loved his playing. I loved his talent.
0: Now, getting back to headquarters, um, how controlling in the studio was Mike? We hear stories that he could be a little overbearing. How was he to work with for headquarters?
4: Mike? Yeah. Mike was not overbearing at all. Mike was always very convert- Mike was always, like, there. You know, I mean, he had a he had his opinion, because of being an accomplished player, uh, and he and Chip got along really well, and the suggestions he made, as far as I know, I mean, I remember, uh, he was, they were always fine. It's like, you know, anything in a, a group, guys, you know, make suggestions and they work. He wasn't overbearing at all. I never felt that way at all. I always felt he was always contributing.
1: That's an excellent perspective, Hank, No, because what we hear is we hear about the, the, the studio sessions for the first two albums and you know, and how, you. Know, I guess because being the true musician that he was, butting heads with Donnie over the way that the albums were made, but
4: during the time that you were recording Headquarters, was that the only project you were working on? At that time? Yeah. I think Headquarters was, yeah, Headquarters was about the only album I really stayed with them. Mm -hmm. for that whole project and I there were other albums I was supposed to do and I had them backed off or cancelled for you know because I couldn't do both but I was doing a lot of work with with uh, uh, Dot Records at the time and I was doing uh, during the day and stuff like that Uh, and I uh, uh, I was working with a good great producer Tom Mack and uh, I did the Mills Brothers I did uh all kinds of, you know, Duke Ellington, I did down with Duke Ellington at the time. So, I mean, I was trying to keep those things going, but when I was doing headquarters, I stopped because of the fact that they were in the studio all the time, and we booked it that way. So I really really couldn't do anything other than that. So after that month or so, I just stayed off. And then when the album was done, I, I went back to doing whatever I was doing, you know, other projects. I
2: I envy you for being I envy you for being around the Mills Brothers
1: because Harry Mills was one of my favorite vocalists of all time. I could sit and listen to him for hours.
4: Harry Nilsson. No, Harry
1: Mills. You you mentioned the Mills Brothers.
4: Oh, the Mills Brothers. hmm They were great. They were great to work with. They. Uh... Yeah, I'd say, I'd say Harry Mills was one of my favorite
1: vocalists of all time. He had just the smoothest voice ever.
4: Harry Nilsson's one of my favorite people of all time. I mean, I spent a couple of really great nights with him and George Harrison and, and him and Tom Scott and just talking music and carrying on and you know, just uh, Harry was an amazing amazing force. It's a shame he just uh he just overdid everything. He just he just did over just overdid everything. And uh, I'm, I'm just, I, I always think about how much he could have done more. I mean, he had a whole life ahead of him,
2: mm-hmm. but
4: he's gone.
2: Very changed. true. Very true.
1: Now you mentioned yeah. that the guys were in the studios all day. I've always been curious, from a personal standpoint, what you and Chip would talk about before the recording started. What, what, what would your, what was your typical day like when you went, when you first went into the studio in the morning during the headquarters sessions? If, well, if, was, if, we were, if
4: we were starting a new tune. Let me put it that way, we were starting a new tune. You, generally what we had uh if we didn't have a demo from screen gems to work with, in other words, you had a demo, you played a song, and then the guys would try to work that out, you know, uh who's gonna play what, well how are they gonna play it, tempos and stuff like that. That all came from chip. And generally Mike. And so like the day would progress with them working out parts most of the day, then maybe like early evening, we'd actually start recording. You know, we'd put down a couple of tracks, we'd go to dinner, come back, work some more, and then if we could finish the tune in one day, fine. But there was always the thing like, let's leave it, come back, we'll do the vocals later, you know, give give the guys a chance to learn the tunes better, you know, that kind of thing. So we were doing things like, we may... Might do percussion on another tune, and you know, finish that tune later. So, it, a lot of times we were just working in bits and pieces, you know, with various guys doing various things. You know, just like uh, if Mike couldn't, uh, Mike didn't want to sing that night, we uh, uh, David would come and do percussion. You know.
0: Do you have a favorite so, track off of Headquarters? Sorry. Do you have a favorite song off of Headquarters? A personal
4: favorite. Jesus, had I liked a lot of those tunes. Um, oh gee, I don't know. Uh, uh, I'll, let's see. I'll Spend My Life With You. That was one of those tunes I really liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shades of Grey was great. Uh, the Zilch, was a fun, the Zilch was a funny thing that just came up. Uh... So there were there were tunes, you know. You got to remember when when, I, when that was over. I moved on to a whole other career, you know. So I mean, I don't remember quite all those tunes. I, I uh, went on and uh, worked independently for a while, and then ended up going to A and M. And I did uh, Carol King. I did Tapestry with Carol King, and I did uh, you know a lot of other groups and stuff like that. So. Was the song No Time a favorite? No Time? Right, right. No Time was not my favorite, and I'll tell you why. We got... uh, I was getting calls because of the album. They wanted the... uh, Screen Gems and RCA wanted that album out at a certain time to coincide with the TV show, and they're going on tour. So... Uh, towards the end of it, uh, the, the RCA, being who the you know the people and the and, and screen gems, Lester Sill and whatever, I was getting calls from uh, Jody Imperial, who was the president of RCA, saying, "Hank, you got to get them moving. Can you finish the album before blah blah blah? You know." And, and uh, I'm trying really hard. I said, "But you know, Chip and I are just working, and it's, we can only work at that pace." So uh, it was hard. And and I kept saying to them, because we would do a tune and say, oh, no, they drop it. I don't like that tune. We'd start a tune waste a whole day doing a song. They didn't like it. And I kept saying, guys, there's no time. We got to keep, we got one more tune to do. We got to do it. Can we do it? You know, Mike came up with a tune. No, that's not good. Davey came up. And finally, Mike came up with the body of a song. How about this? And then he and Chip worked it out. And they got No no Time. Well, they did the tune, and then they called it No Time because there was no time. And that came from me because I kept getting this from RCA. Right. So uh, when we finished the album, uh, and uh, what I did was, the last day we finished the album, was uh, uh, I mixed that album. I mixed up. We had everything mixed except that one tune, the last tune which was no time. I mixed that tune at about midnight. I finished about two in the morning. Uh, Chip and I, and I forgot who else was around. Okay, everything was fine. I put that in the album assembly, and we knew all the people from Screen Gems and RCA were coming in that morning, the next morning. I went home, took a shower, shaved, got dressed, came back to the studio, and we played the album for all the... The big wigs. And everybody loved it. And uh, when it was all over, uh, uh, Lester Still came up to me and he said, Hank, uh, uh, the guys would like to give you a little gift. And I said, well, what is that? What are you talking about? And he said, well, we'd like to give you the, the publishing <clears throat> on No Time, the writer's credit. And I said, I can't do that. I said, I work for RCA and if they did that, I'd be they can me. I'm not supposed to solicit anything like that. So we went around and around with that for a while, and then uh, they got an okay from RCA. And Lester told me he and uh, Lester told me he had talked to RCA, and they said, oh, it's okay, give them the writing." <clears throat> I had worked for the monkeys in that period of time. I'd had hundred-hour weeks. I mean, I broke all the records for working in one year at RCA as an engineer. I mean, I worked 100-hour weeks doing them and trying to do my own stuff at the same time. So it was kind of a nice payoff for me. It was great. And um, I was very appreciative of it. And uh, the boys were really nice doing that. And part of that whole thing was that day we finished, Lester said, to all of the guys there. Uh, Monterey Pop Festival I just started. And he said, uh, there's a plane waiting down there at Burbank. If you guys want to go to the pop festival, get down there at Burbank, get on a plane, and go to Monterey. And So that's what we did. A whole bunch of us ran down, the bunch of us ran down there, jumped on a plane, and went to the pop festival. Well, the Monterey Pop Festival, as you know, was probably one of the greatest festivals of all time Mm -hmm. in music history. So we really enjoyed that. That was great. And
0: that's where... Yes, and and that's where the guys saw Jimi Hendrix and got the idea for putting him on the tour.
4: And speaking
0: speaking of the Monkees' tours like you were, you also got to go on a few of those and try to record those live shows.
4: Oh, yeah. Well... Do you know who the light opening act with the live shows were? I know you
0: had, before Hendrix opened, you had Lulu, uh, the Sundowners,
2: oh, yeah.
0: Candy well, Store
4: Profits. Listen, Hendrix <laughs> was like, an opening act was unbelievable. He was so great. And I, I just couldn't stand not recording him. So we had a truck from uh, a remote truck from Wally Hider uh, Company in, in, in LA that had remote equipment, and all in a truck. I think we were working at in those days. I think we were on eight track or just starting sixteen track. Uh, so anyway, I started recording Hendrix because he was it was so incredible, and uh, I recorded. I had a, I think I don't know, three or four shows of his. And I put them in a pile of tapes that were going to go to Screen Gems. And later on, we were going to mix the live albums. But the problem with the live albums was there's so much noise. And you know the same things happened with the beat. I talked to I I did uh, 33 and a 3rd with George Harrison. And I asked George, he said, at times the audiences were so loud they couldn't hear what they were playing. So... The same thing with the monkeys. At one point, Michael said, "We all started in a step different tune because the crowds were screaming and yelling. We couldn't. We didn't know where we were." But getting back to doing those, I, I, I never found out where those tapes went. I for the years tried to find out where those tapes went. I would have loved to have had those tapes to record.
1: That could have uh, you, one can only imagine how what a what a piece of oh. history that
4: was, but oh, geez, it was they was they were fantastic, <clears throat> and the guys did really well on live. You know, they they performed live well, uh, uh, and they got the audiences going, and you know the young girls screaming and yelling. You know, it was really crazy. Was it difficult to re- was it difficult to actually get set up to record those shows? No, no. We, you know, you we were working working with professional crews. The Wiley <coughs> excuse me, the while I Hyder crew, uh, those guys were really great. Uh they, that's all they did was remote recordings in those days. And I had used them many times doing other remotes on live recordings. So I knew the crew, they knew me, I mean setting up and microphones and all of that stuff that's that's not a problem. Mm-hmm. The problems could be what's going on on stage when you get a crowd that's really screaming and yelling. You know, uh, it's it's really sometimes it, it gets it it gets to be a problem with the guys on stage not hearing. Nowadays it's different. Nowadays they got things they plug in their ears and all that. In those days we had speakers on the floor facing a singer, for example. So we're not even getting the audience ambience going on, you're trying to get the band mix in the speaker so that I can hear it while he's singing. Uh, it's really, really difficult. So it was really difficult to do. It was amazing that they could do anything, you know, but but they worked their way through it. Sometimes the shows were good. Sometimes the shows weren't. Uh-huh. It depended on where we were and how they were doing it. It's, uh, it was, uh, it's different. Live recording is a lot easier now than it used to be. In those days, we were learning a lot, uh, live recordings of rock and roll. I mean, I did I did big bands and stuff like that, remote recordings, uh, going to, to a jazz club and doing that. That's different. But uh, rock and roll was a little difficult with a loud crowd, with a big crowd. And it, it was proved by anybody who was in that era who worked uh, being... The Beatles, and the Stones, or anybody—it was always a hard scene going on. But nowadays, it's a lot easier.
0: Let's let's go to a different type of music. You participated in Mike's solo effort back then, the Wichita Train Whistle.
4: Do you have any memories of that? Oh, the Wichita Train was with uh, uh, Shorty Rogers. Did the arranging? Mike's—that was Mike's dream to do that thing, and uh, we got a big orchestra. And he wrote all the songs and uh, wrote all the tunes. And uh, Shorty Rogers was an incredible arranger, orchestrator, and a good friend of mine. I loved him. Everybody loved Shorty. Shorty was a very special guy. And Mike, a very special guy and very sensitive. Mike just, they just got along great. And uh, what I remember about it was that it was just, a, a large, oh, I forgot exactly, but there might have been a 40-piece orchestra or something like that, and Studio A at RCA, which was a big room. And we did it all, I think, in one, two days? Two days, I think. And uh, it was great. It was just, everything worked fine. And I never know, I actually, I never knew what happened to it, you know? I, I think it came out, but it, I would love to have a copy of it. <laughs> If you find one, let me know. We will be more
1: than happy to. He actually has it available at his website, which is videoranch.com. So we will see what we can do about getting you a copy of it. Huh. So yeah, we. we I, I've listened to it. it. They've remastered it, and it sounds. He's re um, sequenced it from what he's what he's talked about it in previous interviews. So it sounds better to him. So. I will definitely definitely reach out to my Nez connection and see if we can get
4: you a copy of it, cause, yeah, uh, Vance, I think like it. I would love to. I've never had a copy of that. Super. I would really love to. There, I have great memories of that. There were, you know, uh, Mike and, and <laughs> got into things with, uh, he wanted a piccolo trumpet, you know, the thing that the, like mm-hmm. the Beatles had done. Penny P- Lane, Piccolo yep. trumpet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, uh, Manny Klein, who was a very famous trumpet player in L.A., uh, was great, and he's the only guy in town that had a piccolo trumpet. I mean, there were piccolo trumpets, right? But to play the thing, the mouthpiece is like a little pinhole. So you've got to press, press a lot of air through that mouthpiece to get any tonality out of the horn. So we play, we a couple of takes, you know, and, and uh, Michael, let's do one more, and... <laughs> he raised his hand and said, i got to take a break for a while. So he did. He took a break, came back, and said, let me do one more. So we did another take, and the take was finished. I looked over, and Manny had collapsed. He just wow. passed out. I mean, he came to real quick, but the, it, it was a terrible thing. A hard, Not terrible, it was a hard thing to play when you're playing piccolo trumpet. There's a piccolo trumpet in one of those tracks it's great I, I, the,
1: play, I played trumpet in high school and college I, I played high, trumpet in high school in college and I, I saw one never tried to play because I knew I couldn't I knew I couldn't get my lips in, in any close to where I could blow oh, through the, you're right yeah you're right yeah they're
4: really hard players.
1: one of the other things that I, I just wanted to talk about that's not monkeys related was your work on one of the seminal albums of the 70s and that's Tapestry with Carole King um Talk a little bit about, if you can, uh, if you can, the recording of that great album and, and working with Carol on such a labor of love for her with that.
4: You mean uh, working with Carol? Yes, sir. Yeah, that, that, I, mean, I didn't get over everything you said, but if it's working with Carol and Tapestry, that was a pleasure. I mean, that was a dream. Uh, Lou Adler, of course, was great. Uh Carol, you know carol and and Jerry did absolutely wonderful demos. They were famous for their demos. Their demos always came back almost like a finished record. They played piano and they might double the piano and then add some percussion. whereas most of the other writers would just have a plain old piano upright piano sound and they'd sing the song with a you know a guy doing a bad vocal, but the song was big screen gems writers were all that you know banging those things out, those tunes out. Carol always had a great idea, you know, where they wanted to go. When we started doing tapestry, there were a couple of things I had to really be careful about with Carol. It was like I knew that Carol was a consummate musician. And uh, at RCA, I mean, excuse me, at A&M, there was a a great Steinway piano, a, a German Steinway. It was a red piano. And a German Steinway. The German Steinway pianos had a really distinct sound. If you listen to that album that way, you can hear that piano really speaks. And of course, Carol playing it made it all the more worth it. So we had to wait for that piano when we started the album. It was uh, piano was in, in, in Studio C with uh, Joni Mitchell doing using the piano. So we used to have to sneak in there for the first couple of dates to use get to use that piano then she finished and we moved the piano back over to Studio B and we finished the album off there what Lou wanted Lou, working with Lou Adler is was a treat because Lou you know the mamas and the papas and all other things he's done we got along great but what we did that was, was interesting was I kept the lights out in the control room way way down so you could if you were standing in the studio, you couldn't really see what was going on in the control room. And what we wanted to do was to create a feeling of that the, the studio was a, somebody's living room. And we said I set it up so that uh, everybody was surrounded: the piano, drums, two guitars, uh, 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 and a uh, bass. Where all they, Charlie Locke was facing her. And, uh, you know, everybody was close, and uh, and Carol did live vocals. And uh, the idea was, people would come in the room and say, what are you guys doing? We we can't see anybody. We wanted it that way. We wanted it to be just really laid back, quiet, and cool, you know? We did the album, I think, over like a month. Uh, Carol had to leave a couple of times uh, the guys were missing or whatever and then we'd come back and set it up and do it all over again and do do more tracks but we knew after we were mixing it uh, but after we'd finished the album we took a week off or so and we came back I went off and did something else and Lou and I came back and started working mixing the album and I'll never forget it on a Friday night uh late and I just you got a friend we had mixed I got you got a friend and I looked at Lou and Lou looked at me and I said Lou is this album as good as you think it is or I think it is and he looked at me and he said yeah I think it is you know guys like us never would ever say that about an album you know because you don't want to jinx it you don't want to but that album was so priceless. It was like so, it went so smoothly. Uh, Lou was great. Uh, Carol, the band, everything was just perfect. And it was just a joy to do that album. It really moved out. And of course, it was what it, is. it still is. I mean, I get calls all the time about, about that album. Mm-hmm. And I'm very proud of the album.
1: Well, I can tell you, I wore out, I'm dating myself now, but I wore out the eight-track tape copy I had of that. I always, Smackwater Jack was, my, was the song I enjoyed listening <laughs> to, the funniest one, but to me, the song, yeah. was, You've Got a Friend, but Tapestry is one of the most heartfelt, powerful songs I've ever heard. And it's well, one you of know, my favorites.
4: It, it came out, the, the way we did the album, like I said, it was really quiet, laid back. Uh, even when Joni and and uh, and uh, uh, James came to do background vocals, it was uh, I got a I got a great picture of uh, the control room when we're listening back, and uh, uh, James is leaning on the side of the console, and, and, uh, Carol is behind me, Lou's on the other side of me. I have my eyes closed and I'm looking down, and. You know that, to me, was what the album was like. I mean, everybody was just smiling, and it just like smooth as glass. You know, it it uh, it worked great. And then, and every other album we ever did with Carol was that right way too. Very good. Now, now to start wrapping things up.
0: After your involvement with the Monkees, did you keep up with them in the ensuing years at all?
4: No, I never. I no, they were, everybody went off on their own. I mean, I, you know, Davey didn't really pursue, he was into more films. But I don't know what Peter was doing. Mike was on his own trip with, with his own company, doing all kinds of experimental stuff. Uh, um, Peter, I don't know what Peter was doing. Peter was doing Having My Baby over and over again. That's all I was, remember his about baby. that. Huh? It was called Lady's Baby, right. Well, at the time it was called having my baby, oh. then it became ladies' baby. Interesting. So what happened was, I got a call from screenshots. I, I was, at that point, that was my, la- I, did, I was done, and I was, I told Lester Phil, I, I just wanted to get away from the monkeys, and and they were doing their, they were all kind of split up. It was like the show was ending and whatever, and uh, so I went off to do other things and uh uh i the mills brothers and I, uh, I I did Duke Ellington through that period and i did uh a lot of big band stuff woody herman uh which I love to do the big band things those were great and uh working with a lot of uh, other artists and stuff um, so where am i i'm so we kinda i kind of drifted away they kind of drifted off into their own things right right davy uh who, was in the film business. Uh, Peter, uh, uh, I don't know what Peter was doing. Mike had his own thing going. And, uh, what else? Uh, you know, everybody had, everybody had something going, you know. And right. It kind of, for me, kind of petered out. Are you, are you, are you fully retired or you no, still get to get every no, now and then? I am. No, I am totally retired. I'm I've been in the business for over 65 years. I mean, I started out a long time in the 50s. And, uh, no, I've decided to retire. And I'm uh, enjoying life and a lot of good friends. I do miss recording occasionally. But, uh, you know, it's cool. I mean, I've done a lot of great records. I work with a lot of good... One of my great... I've worked with George Harrison in 33 and third. I loved working with George, and we did it in London. and We did it in England, at his house in England. Uh, and I've been, you know, I was really lucky to do a lot of nice things with a lot of nice people. I, I've really enjoyed my career. Now I'm, uh, like I said, you know, I'm retired. <laughs>
1: yeah. You've earned it, trust me. Well, Hank, I want you to know it has been a thrill for Al and I to speak with you you have been a major player in the guy's music. We appreciate everything that you did, and we want to thank you for taking some time to reminisce with ours and, and joining us in conversation. And we love you, and thank you so much for everything that you've done.
4: Well, you made it. You guys made it very easy, and I, I hope I gave you something that you wanted to hear. Uh, it was fun doing the monkeys. Uh, it really. Uh, With all of the little things that went on and off, uh, it was always a a good time. And uh, the guys were great. I really enjoyed them. I'm really sorry about Davey. I really miss Davey. Mm -hmm. uh, He was just great. Well, we thank you again for your time and uh, wish you the best and continue to
1: enjoy your retirement. Thanks again for hanging out with us. Great. Thanks for calling. My pleasure.
0: So now you know why we made all those watch the VU jokes. Watch the VU, Hank. In previous episodes, we were bursting at the seams to announce this very special guest.
1: And it was some amazing stories. I mean, you know, you're you're talking about being right there in the middle of the headquarters recording and having to deal with all the mistakes, having to deal with all the the time-consuming takes that it took.
0: Sure. Very, very much so. A man who witnessed his history. That's right. don't know why I p- p- can't k- get that out. Benny the Book.
1: B- ben, b- 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 b-
0: Benny the Book.
1: Well, I
0: think it's time b- once b- again b- to pick up the b- red b- phone. B- <laughs> b- Beep. Alan, you're uh, beeping. <laughs> beeping right. Beeping?
1: I'm backing up. I'm backing up. Oh.
0: <laughs> Some of us, the age uh, we're getting. Sir,
1: I believe it's that phone again.
0: You mean it's the Ritson phone?
1: That's right. I do believe it's the moment phone. I'll summon him, sir. Without further ado... Oh, yes, indeed. Should I do my... I've never done Kerry Grant on this show, so... Without further ado, it is time to go to the wonderful state of Pennsylvania... And speak to our third podcast member. Hello, Jody, Jody, Jody. Hello, Jody, my friend. Looks like you have been up to your eyeballs and stuff coming up. How are things up your way?
3: Oh my gosh! Summer's on its way, and so is the Monkey Tour. hmm I'm excited.
1: I can imagine, especially with what I know you have to talk about.
3: Oh my gosh! You know, first of all, let's talk about the fact that they're playing so many songs that we had no idea they would ever play in concert. I'm beyond excited to hear, and I am not going to. I'm not going to read any set list. I've sworn myself to the secrecy of looking at any set lists coming up so that I can sit there and have that moment at the Keswick and go, oh my God, oh my God, can you believe they're playing this? Because that's, to me, like the best feeling ever. You know, when that element of surprise, um, that's what I'm most looking forward to with this tour.
1: Well, the interesting thing that I don't think people were aware of, and Al, we talked about this earlier. Just because they have one set list at the first show doesn't mean that that is the set set list that's going to be for every show because they change, they do change things around from from venue to venue.
3: Well, I remember in the tour that they did last year with Pete, with Mickey and Peter went out in the beginning of the tour. If I'm not mistaken, they did Little Girl, mm-hmm. and I know they dropped that eventually um, later on, and I know they added something else you know um so there are i know with mickey solo shows there's two set lists sometimes he'll do you bring the summer and he'll do she makes me laugh sometimes they drop it and they do something else so uh it does you know and then also i think crowd reaction is part of it as well you know if they see something isn't working or whatever but um they probably practice more songs mm-hmm. you know, than they actually do, I would imagine. Uh,
1: Al, correct, Al, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't they do Don't Do It at Charlotte in oh. the 50th Anniversary Tour? Didn't yes. Mickey sing Don't Do It? I
3: don't think
1: so. I no, know he did didn't. it at least once, but I, it may not have been a Charlotte, but I know he did it at least once.
3: Mickey did Mickey did his his skit where he says that he was part of Mickey and the One-Nighters, which was... Yeah. Is- night Broom. Mm-hmm. and then um he does that and then he would leave the stage and then peter would do okay. higher and higher so eventually they dropped it which is good because i don't love that song anyway <laughs> but but oddly enough i really do enjoy higher and higher um it's it's an okay song i mean compared to some of the others so um they did eventually get rid of that and um, but i mean i i know some of the things that have been thrown around this tour, but I just really, you know what, like everything in life I figure out and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm real good with television shows and endings of movies and stuff. I totally knew what was going to happen in Titanic, but, um, (laughs) you know, with, but because I, I'm hard to surprise, I really am looking forward to just that, that moment where I grab the person next to me and start smacking them around going, can you believe they're doing this you know, so I'm I'm really excited for that. And then after, um, I was actually given permission by Rhino Records. Um, Andrew uh, made this happen for me, Andrew Sandoval. I'm going to be in the lobby area giving out postcards that are going to have both um, Mickey's solo projects and Nez's solo project, which is the F&B tour, which is being announced on June 1st. Nice. is coming to the east coast
2: yeah
1: boy
3: meet and greets and all that fun stuff so um i'm allowed to do that and then you want to hear what i what i've ordered sure okay ready for this one so because there's no meet and greets with the monkeys tour and because i am such a goofball i wanted to try and figure out what was the best way that somebody could get a picture with mickey and nez Without Mickey and Nez being there, so I,
1: I smell life-size it's cardboard now. cutouts.
3: <laughs> so Andrew, so I, I messaged the guys and I messaged Andrew and got permission to have blown up in a six-foot standy, um, the picture from the monkeys tour with the tuxedos. So I'm gonna put that. I was actually going to use it just at the after parties, but um, I wanted to have it. For everybody to be able to take their pictures with and make it go viral so I'm really excited about being able to do that of course my husband's main concern is and then where's it going so um, maybe we'll be able to like auction it off or something like that or that would be a
1: great thing for make-a-wish absolutely
3: that would be but I think it would look funnier if I had it in the bed under the covers and my husband came home and that would just you know that would be a nice anniversary gift I think (laughs) He just, uh,
1: I, I could do an Austin Powers line here, but I think I'll let that one go.
3: You know, uh, he's already so patient. Um, so what What I did was um, so many people were asking about, you know, get togethers and meetups and all that. So because, um, we, you know, obviously there's the sound check and then um, I have to do my thing. So the best solution was that I have after parties scheduled at the Keswick or after the Keswick, which is June 21st after the beacon, which is June 22nd after Huntington, uh, Paramount, which is June 24th and after the last show, Count Basie, June 25th. So I have on the website where you can reserve. Um, I had to rent rooms, you know, or rent area at these places and, keep them open later than they would normally be open. So there's a $20 fee for everybody so that I could afford to do this because I can't do it all my own. Um, So after each show, um, it's already sold out. um, Most of the shows, the only one I think we still have open, we have like one or two for Count Basie and um, Huntington is open. Um, But it's a good way for fans, forget about the monkeys, because when you think about it, when we communicate on Facebook or podcasts or anything like that, the monkeys are, they are what brought us together, but they're not what's keeping us together. It's the friendships. So I think it's a great way without doing a convention To say, hey, you know what, Al, I've never met you in your life. I would love to meet you. This gives us an opportunity to talk about the show, to take selfies, to take pictures, to make new friends, see old friends, make new memories, talk about old stuff. So um, I was able to do that for the last four shows. Super. Yeah, I mean... You know, that's, that's really what my goal is. The fans are very important because without them, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing at all. So that's the main, that's the main thing. Oh, and then listen to this one. Everybody who comes automatically gets put into a raffle um, the, uh, and the raffle at the four venues uh, and they'll be able to buy more tickets if they would like to, but at the four venues, One prize is going to be that you join us in the suite for Mickey's um, when Mickey sings the national anthem. Mm -hmm. Um, That's $350 um, prize right there. And we're doing that all for all the food and alcohol is included. I have, I bought baseballs for Mickey to autograph baseballs and it's private party. So everybody's going to be able everyone's eligible for that. The second thing is Mickey's going to be at the Northeast Comic-Con July 6th, 7th, and 8th, and that's in New England. Get this one. So we have Head that Friday night where Mickey's going to do like a a discussion about the movie Head. Saturday, we have autographs, autographs, autographs. Oh, and get this. Brutus Beefcake is going to be there. Mr. Mm -hmm. Peterman from um, Mr. Peterman. Seinfeld, yes. And one of the Ramones, I want to say like C.J. Ramone is going to be there. Um, one of the Ramones will be there. And I'm bringing Barry Williams with me. So Barry Williams, he saw um, Mickey and Butch Patrick do uh, Twist and Shout at the, um, at the last karaoke that we had in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So no, Barry wants to do it in um, New England. So I still have a handful of spots left wow. to be able to sing with Mickey. But, oh, my God, how cool is that? Absolutely. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And then um, so so one person from each of the parties is going to be picked to be eligible to sing with Mickey a song at the Northeast Comic Con. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's that's a big deal. Yeah. And then.
1: Oh, wait, before before you did. Just when when Mickey and Barry are are done singing, what Mickey needs to do is is he getting ready to walk up. and says, "Barry Williams, ladies and gentlemen, Barry Williams." Uh, oh, hey, Barry. Adios, Johnny Bravo.
3: Yes. Well, I think it's a, well. Here's my thing, and and maybe this is why I haven't heard back from Mickey. Here's my thing. I think Mickey should have to do the Sunshine Day Dance. I, I mean, I'm I'm. Pretty sure that's not going to happen, but I think that it would only be fair. Uh,
1: <laughs> or they could all sing time to change.
3: Oh my god! <laughs> well, no, Peter's not available.
1: I know, I know, but that that'd be very that that'd no, be pretty cool. About
3: Peter Torque, because it's off key. <laughs> Ooh, yo. I think it's funny I know. Um, no so so that's gonna be fun mm-hmm. um, and then we're having pool party all kinds of stuff at the Northeast Comic-Con and then the third prize is going to be an autograph picture um, and that's it all for venues so I'm um, you know I'm trying to do my best to keep the fun alive and, and everything then it gets even better so for years, people have been asking, I want you to come to California. Mm-hmm. So so the other day, Coco called me, and she said she'd spoken to her brother. She had been watching the karaoke on the live stream, mm-hmm. and she called her brother, which I still think is funny. She called Mickey, and she said, I have a perfect place, and they want to raise money for the um, West Hills and Topanga Police Department. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the police department, you know, they are hurting for money. Yeah. So uh, her. So Mickey. I don't know if people are aware of this, but Mickey actually, he's a badass. He goes on drives on with the cops, and he does stuff. He's very active as a volunteer for the police department. So um, he is donating money from karaoke at in California. Wow. For the police department. But here's what's even cooler. I said to Coco. I said well are you going to sing? And she said hell yeah. So she had a place. She had a place in mind. that um, That is a really cool place. And I said well you know what. Fans have been really wanting. Um, for years something in California. So why don't we make a weekend out of it. So August 16th. 17th and 18th. I think that's the right day. Um, I'm looking right now. August 17th, 18th, and 19th. Mm-hmm. That's better. Um, I am doing Friday night. This is in California, and everything's on the website. It's a getaway for Monkey fans. So we're gonna have Friday night. We're gonna have a party, but I haven't decided. Exa- I'm waiting on confirmation for a couple things. But you guys know me; I'm crazy, so it'll be fun. Oh
2: yeah, we're
3: having we're having a party Friday night. Saturday, I'm like thinking, what what would I, a tourist, want to do? Well, when I went to California the first time, all I wanted to do was go find the monkey star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So I chartered a bus. We're going to have breakfast Saturday morning together. Chartered a bus. The bus is an air condition, televisions, toilet, you name it, bus that's going to take us to Hollywood Boulevard. We're going to see the monkeys um, star on the Walk of Fame. We're going to take all the pictures that we need to. Then we're having a catered lunch at the Hard Rock. Wow. So, and then we're going to have about an hour to walk around, not get in trouble, you know, see the sights on Hollywood Boulevard, maybe act out a little bit of uh, Lucy and Ramona. Then we're going to get back to the bus. I know, right? We did, we, I say that because I actually did do that. So... Don't be surprised if you don't see me in roller skates. (laughs) Um, So then we're going to go back around four o'clock. We're going to leave, go back to the hotel, take a break. Jody will need a nap and a shower from that. And then we have karaoke at night. And this is going to give you the opportunity to sing with Mickey or sing with Coco um, at this place that we're staying at because the hotel is right there. We'll be staying, we'll be seeing uh, that. And I think there's a little, a couple other surprises are going to be coming your way. But you don't have to do the whole weekend. You can just come for karaoke. um, And that's to help raise money for, like I said, the West Hills and Topanga Police Department. Nice. And that's going to be from about 8 o'clock to 11. Then we're going to pass out. Then the next day, we're going to have breakfast again together. And then we're going to hop on a bus. And we're going to go to, let me see what it's called. Um, it is, I'm going to say it wrong, I know it. But it is Al, Altadena,
2: mm-hmm, California.
3: That's right. I, I said it right? Yep. And we're going to the coffee gallery backstage. I told Coco, I wanted to see Coco's show. And I thought that this would be a great opportunity for those who don't live in California to do so. So we're going to hop on the bus. We're going to go there to the coffee gallery backstage and watch her sing songs from my music stand. There's only 50 seats. Mickey will be there performing with her. Um, and I mean like the whole, it's a whole Dolan's weekend. There are pictures, autographs, everything that you've ever wanted and in a private setting. So I only started out with 30 spots and I have about 20 left in less than a week. So there's a lot of great things that are coming up. And then we get back on the bus and we all go our separate ways and then hopefully have the best weekend making new friends, new memories. So there's a lot of fun stuff going on there.
1: Now, um, see, But you haven't even yeah. gotten to the one I'm, I'm super excited about that, the also, takes, in- the, that also takes place in, in August on the other coast, on the East Coast.
3: Yeah. You know, it's funny. My husband, I'm like the Regis and we're like Regis and Kelly here. Um, I refuse to, I refuse to rename the show because I (laughs) tried that with Michael and Kelly. So I'm just going back to Regis. So I told my husband Regis, I'm going to be away also in August because Nez is doing the Steel City Comic Con. Nez will only do one Comic Con per year. Now, You know, I'm not trying to say anybody's getting older, because we're not. But it might be more difficult next year. Who knows where any of us are going to be. So, um, in August, Nez is going to be at the Steel City Comic Con. But wait, want to hear this one? This is cool. I'll tell you who else is going to be there. Not that it matters, because Nez is, of course, the most important one. But so far announced um, is... Kathleen Turner, which is pretty cool. Now, this week, this is August 10th through the 12th.
1: That's Kathleen right. Kathleen, got the deep, the deep voice Kathleen Turner.
3: Kathleen Turner. Um, I know, but she's like a real movie star. You know, I'm what I not mean? Like, bad.
1: I'm just drawn that way.
3: <laughs> right? Sorry,
1: I, I, I saw Roger Rabbit over the weekend, so it's like... That's
3: funny. She's not one of your fake movie stars. She's a real one. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, let me see... We have Kathleen Turner. We have Michael Nesmith, Chris Kattan, Daphne Zanuga, Zaniga, yep. John Schneider, Catherine Bach, um, Il- Shannon Elizabeth, Tim Matheson, Tom Johnny Quest. Oh, right. Well, I know him from the Brady Bunch movies. Mm-hmm. I never saw like anything else, but I love him. Um, and then to Dukes of Hazzard, um mm-hmm. get-together um, that's going to be there. But I was trying to explain to people today because it, it's two years since I was with Nez in, um, I guess it was Detroit.
1: Motor City, yeah. And,
3: yeah, and to meet him in person over anybody I've ever met, and I've met a lot of celebrities at this point, but to meet Nesmith is like nothing I've ever I, – I, he was not – you know, Mickey's my favorite person in the whole wide world, but to meet Nez – because some of us never thought that would ever happen, is a really, it's a surreal experience when you hear his voice, and you're looking at him, and you're hearing your childhood, you're hearing all those years of that that Texas draw, and then he's in front of you, and he's the nicest, takes all the time in the world, which actually makes his um, agent pretty angry because I'm like staying there for a while. Tell him how much you love him. And his agent's like, Jody, shut the hell up. You know, we got to move the Keep line, line moving.
1: Don't hold the line up. Keep the line moving.
3: Yeah. And then I'm, I, I'm going, I don't care. Keep staying there. Tell him, give him a hug, give him a kiss. You know, like, you know, because I know this is for some people a once in a lifetime experience and I want them to have that. Um, I don't care if I have to stay there all night. I mean, obviously some other people disagree, but um, I was putting on Facebook today, uh, my memories of the last time that I was with Nez and that was with Chiller because I was trying to express to people that, um, you know, so many of the fans wish, 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 but they have to stop wishing. They have to actually move and do things. They have to be more a part of making it possible for these guys to continue to um, do their their thing, to come to Comic Cons, if nobody knows that they are there, no, they're not going to feel appreciated. They're not going to continue to go out. So for me, it's very important that fans recognize. And I don't, I don't tell people anything that I don't believe in for myself. You know, this is very time consuming. It can be expensive. It can be exhausting but everybody's doing it to keep this kind of fun alive. So yeah, you might have to save up and you might have to get off the sofa and you might have to take a bus, a train or make some kind of arrangements. But I was sitting with Nez in the hotel room and we were eating Cheetos and with our feet up on the sofa, eating Cheetos. Okay, me and Mike Nesmith. (laughs) And he asked me, he said, why do people come to these things, Jody? And I tried to explain to him why we come to these things, why this. And and this is my everyday life. Like, this has taken over my life in good ways and bad ways. But I was explaining to him what it meant, not for Jody, what it meant for the fans. I feel like that I, I'm in a position where I can represent what a lot of fans feel about mm-hmm. these uh, so I feel it's very important to get out there, stop complaining. St- oh, I wish they could come. Yeah, I, listen, I wish they could come perform in my house too, but it's just not going to happen. So I've got to actually do something about it. I have to leave and, and do my thing. But I really, I really hope that the fans embrace this tour. I hope they come out to the Comic-Cons. There's other ones that Mickey's solo stuff hasn't even been announced yet. Yeah. Um a lot of his solo stuff has not been announced yet. So there's a lot of stuff that's coming. I have a I have a phone that's ringing. I don't even know what my house number is. And I'm not <laughs> kidding about that. I asked my husband yesterday, I'm like, what's our house number? Um, so I apologize about that. That's but all right. but I do I do hope that the California fans help support the project because I'm not going out there again. You know, if they're not part of, of working with this, uh, you know, what's the incentive, you know, for any of us to do it. So I really hope that it, that it turns out to be incredible. You know, I, I really do. I, it's different to live it through Facebook than it is to live it through a concert or through an experience. Um, you know, but, I tell you guys every time we don't know how long any of us have, you know, and to make these memories, that's exactly what it is. You know, Father's Day is coming up, graduations are coming up. There's a million reasons why, you know, you can treat yourself to something. Um, I ha- I just had Mother's Day. I had a son buy his mom a ticket for the um, for the Phillies game. Her dream was to meet Mickey, and, you know, I understand that, you know. So we do payment plans, you know. But a kid bought it for his mom for Mother's Day, which, you know, that's to me that's important. I do payment plans with everybody because I understand I wouldn't be able to part with that much money at one time. I've got a family too. I'm no different than everybody else. So you know, I'm like QVC. I'm JVC. I'm I'm. I'm, I'm I'm the, I'm the Jody shopping network. I had one person, I'm not going to name names, but hopefully she'll listen to this. The other day, first she bought the fan parties and then she turned around like five minutes later and she bought a Phillies ticket and I emailed her and I said, I got all your money. I said, now stop using your credit card. And she (laughs) wrote back and she said, my husband's going to kill me. But you know something, honestly, there are some things, and you guys know this, that, that. It, the experience is more than than anything else you will never ever ever forget this i promise sure. you so i just love what you do i'm so proud of you guys because as a team we get to uh be on iheart radio that's
1: right oh you did, that's yes. right oh by the way yes and uh, well al announced it earlier um we're now on google play too
3: Stop it! I can Google you too. That's right. Does that that me or is that that just sounds like fondling somebody?
1: <laughs> well, it, I, it, I have a
3: feeling that we're we're on the that that we're on the cusp. Like, think about and I know you guys are going to be mad at me, but but don't edit this out. But think about if I say I'm going to I'm putting head on Google Play. Like, there's so many things that I think are being misjudged as to what we're really doing, us old folk. You know, we're just watching a movie and trying to figure out how to find it. You
0: know? I once uh, did a project with a woman who I just met, and about a half hour later, she comes up to me and says, You Google good. <laughs> she oh, either said that or she God. said, You give good Google.
1: See, you no, know, see, I don't Google, I Google. So it's like. Robert Google? <laughs> no, Michael Google.
0: Oh, <laughs>
3: oh, that's good. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I always have to preface with head, the movie head, because there's just something too much to the imagination. We're, I think that we really are like, not a cult, but we're like a B movie, all of us. You know, we speak the same, we speak pig Latin, all of us, you know, like, nobody else understands what we're talking about. But Sandy, who everybody knows is my other half. Um, I have people who actually think that we're in love, um, but my other half went back to England, and she went to a screening that somebody showed the movie Head, so all the English people are watching the movie Head, and she messages me, and she said that um, she she said she was there, and um, we were talking about from their perspective, you know, and I had... And she said that the guy was performing and he did the song pillow time. And I said, like, if I said that to anybody else, would you know, you know, wouldn't the majority of people know what you were talking about? It's, it's, Oh, that's what it's called. Right. Pillow time. Yes. The wonderland for Alice. Right. Right. Uh, So I, I just think it's funny that we can bring up anything and we don't have, it doesn't have to be explained. I mean, I don't know if you guys can do that with your significant others, but me, I mean, no, <laughs> I could never, I could never say, you know, the, that you know, I, I met Mickey and he signed Mickey Dolan's puts you to sleep, you know, and he'd be like, what the hell is that? So, you know, there's, there's just a different language that we speak and it's the, You immediately feel at home with Monkey fans. I tell everybody, you don't need to bring somebody with you. You come alone and you leave with a ton of friends. So anybody that wants to check out anything that we have going on, I'll have the F&B tour up there. I have all of Mickey's solo projects up there. The Comic-Con stuff is up there. They can just go to www.monkeymeetandgreets.com and I update it as much as possible. By the way, nice.
1: uh, I was going to say, by the way, I I saw you had a nice new addition to your wardrobe the other day (laughs) on your your Facebook live feed.
3: Yes, my new official T-shirt for the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Podcast.
2: Yep. Let me ask you
3: a question. Did you ever ever think about just pulling one of the words out of that?
0: Well, then you don't get the pun. That's right. It's a takeoff on Mike's famous saying, but also the Prairie Home Companion. Yes, show. the. Take out the, any of those words, and you don't get the two jokes.
1: Well, uh, uh, but you see, well, you could you could do the Butch Patrick approach, the chicken, the the Texas Chicken Prairie Companion. <laughs> so. You know
3: what? That is. That is absolutely hilarious i'll tell you what butch singing twist and shout if you haven't seen that it was so funny his wife's gone jody make him sing and he's going jody do not make me sick and then the next <laughs> thing you know butch patrick and they didn't even know what song i picked and butch is a really big um beatles fan yes, I, don't, I don't know if i ever told you but i used to i used to be really close with butch and when butch had a uh his drinking problem drug problem whatever it was I actually was the person who took him to California and got him cleaned up. And so when he was in rehab, he he his mom still lives in his childhood home. And so I was in Butch's bedroom. Okay, Butch was not there. Let me preface this a, a million <laughs> times. Over, okay? That was not even an option. Um, but I was in Butch's, in his bedroom, I, that's where I stayed. And I'm laying in Butch's bed at night And I'm looking, he's all Beatles stuff, Beatles pictures and posters at like a little kid, you know. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is what Butch Patrick was looking at, you know, when he was a child. I'm looking at this through my eyes, the same thing through his eyes. So I knew he was a big um, Beatles fan. But I also knew there was no way he was getting out of there without singing. So it was just so much fun. And I really hope, you know, we make a lot of money for Make-A-Wish. Yeah. And it's just been such a blast just having this experience to share with you guys. So hopefully I will see you in Pittsburgh because I'm not letting you go of that one.
1: That's that's and the plan. Um, so we're working on it. But- yes.
3: And I have my T-shirts to give to the guys when I see them. Super. I'm not going to see them until June 21st. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I hope everybody comes to the after parties, you know. I mean, you never know who's going uh, to come uh, to to see us at those parties. So please check it out. Keep on listening for updates because I don't seem to have anything to stop me anytime soon.
1: That's good. Uh, well, Jody, hang in there and hopefully it'll stop raining soon. Uh, while we were talking, it deluged here at, at Al's house.
2: So. <laughs> oh,
3: I mean, it was coming Just down keep in sheets. Doing what you guys are doing. I'm so proud of you. You know, all of us do this together. Nobody's doing it alone. That's for sure.
1: Well, yeah, that, that, that's what I mentioned earlier. I talked to, I, I, I went out and, and plugged, you know, implored people to go back to the block spot. Uh, page to see all the hard work that Al does to put all the extra stuff together so but listen have a great week we will talk to you very soon
3: I miss you guys and I can't wait to see you
1: alright take care Jody. have a great week
3: bye guys
1: bye she always comes up with some amazing exciting information man you know like I say she's the one person that all monkey fandoms should appreciate and, and and wish they could be in her shoes
0: I don't know. She's no Pamela Sue Martin. You and the
1: Nancy Drew. We gotta talk about this, man. Well well, at least it's not Parker Stevenson and Sean Cassidy.
0: Their hair, though, was just perfect.
1: Their hair was to die for. The Cassidy's in their hair. I just don't know what it was.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> I recall us mentioning earlier in this episode a contest. I know listeners can't take another treat during this episode. Oh, they but can't. They, can. take, they can't take another bombastic announcement, but they're going to have to.
1: Wrong again, bombastic breath.
0: <laughs> May a camel spit in your sister's eye.
1: <laughs> May a bloated yak yuckle over your Christian Louboutins.
0: <laughs> I beg your pardon. Isn't that what Mike wears, his new
1: shoes, at the new concerts? Um, oh, oh Lord. Jimmy Choo, Jimmy Choo, Jimmy Jimmy Choo shoes, Jimmy Choo, Jimmy Choo, Jimmy Jimmy Choo shoes.
0: <laughs> it took me a second to remember that one from earlier today. Oh, my goodness. No, we have an announcement. We seem to have mentioned earlier something about a second fabulous contest.
1: Absolutely correct there, Kimisabi Palomine.
0: Tell our listeners what we have this time around.
1: All right. If they choose door number one. That's right. First of all, we have one of those great... Here No Evil album cover stickers that we mentioned, thanks to our good buddy Jim Johnson.
0: And they're nice. They're about they're what, really are. three by four?
1: No, they're square. They're probably three by three.
0: Okay, very good.
1: So and it's really cool. Here no um, evil
0: monkeys tribute.
1: That's right. We have the volume one issue one from April nineteen ninety uh, nineteen eighty six of the Listen to the Band uh fanzine. So so
0: this I, is one of the many non monkey business fanzines. Mm-hmm, fanzines. That's right. Still great stuff, some rare pictures, some uh,
1: Yep. Cool stuff. We have a flyer, a program from the Monkees Boys and Hearts Celebrity Convention, uh, which would have been 1980, uh, September 1986 at the Hollywood Holiday Inn in Los Angeles.
0: Lots of good pictures in there. Nice, nice glossy stuff, glossy too.
1: stuff. We have volume two, number one from 1980, January 1985 of the Instant Replay fanzine.
0: Another fanzine. Here's the big one, folks. That's right.
1: And this is not a copy. Not a reprint. This, this is not a reprint. This is the original. August 1968 Tiger Beat Official Monkey Spectacular.
2: This is the
0: issue with, let's see the cover. It's got the guys. It's got uh,
1: the guys in there. It's got the 68 guys. Meet the new monkeys. Meet the new Meaning, monkeys, you know, know, the
0: head era. Yeah, it's era. Era. Uh, yeah. We will yeah. put a man on the moon. Era. Bye. We
1: choose to go to the moon and this decade because it is hard. It is
0: hard. That's right. Okay. <laughs> hey,
1: that's good. Good JFK there, pal. All right. It's got, it's got this is the, real from thing. the set. It's got Mike without Phyllis. Exclusive future plans, pen pals, and rumors answered.
0: I'd like to write to some of those pen pals now see what they're doing.
1: Oh, yeah, that would be funny.
0: <laughs> so... I'm a 50-something-year-old man writing to you from a monkey business issue... That's right. ...from 1968. You, so, your photo looks cute. <laughs> you know, some people call it a sling
2: blade. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I like the way he talks. Mm-hmm. So... Do you have any ideas what we should do to uh, get entries for people to win this in, in amazing cash of presents? Well,
0: considering we started with the last contest, well, you had to answer, like, who was Don yeah, Steele's no dentist?
1: I refuse to go down that road again. That, that, I, I smacked into a brick wall hard on that one. So
0: so how about now we just ask for more constructive criticism? Mm-hmm. Although last time it meant people asking for less jokes. I guess people think we joke on these stuff. So. Podcast. I don't. When do we joke? I don't know what
1: the hell they're talking about there. I said, if
0: if you think
1: if you if you think that the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys Podcast has too many jokes, you might be a monkey's fan.
0: Here's your sign. Here's your sign. No, we could ask them for that. We could ask them, uh, who's your favorite monkey?
1: No, we're not doing that either. I like Mike. Okay. And we're not touching the eighty-seven and ninety-six albums. Um, we could
0: ask for feedback on Pull It. Oh, I said it. Oh. There goes the foghorn. You know, I got to pay five, five cents every time I use that foghorn.
1: Duncan, would you mind walking into the kitchen and get me some Advil, please? We're going to lose
0: the house next month, I think. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Bro. Um, let me think. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, with the M and we'll we'll piggyback this off of Jody's last um, Jody's last Facebook or la- last Facebook oh, situation. Good, good. Alright, so we're talking about the Eminem set list. Alright, so one song and one song only. Oh. One song. You have to go to the Facebook page, post why you what song you want, and what it means to you. Why you want them to do that song, but you get one song only, no multiple entries, one one shot, one song.
0: And I guess we'll pick, what, the most interesting or heartfelt one? Or I would just... think the most
1: heartfelt one, yeah.
0: Okay. And we'll put the names of all entrants... Entra- well, no, we won't. We'll pick the most And the decision
1: one. of the judges is final.
0: Right. And no no uh, magazine, no, uh, no mayonnaise jar will be kept on Mickey Dolan's front porch. That's right. Or his ex-wife's front porches. Mm-hmm. Or anything like that.
1: Well, all right. Let me ask you, all right, give me yours. Is there one particular song that you want them, you want Mike or Mickey to do and why?
0: It's not very deep, but I've always wanted to hear live the song Love is Only Sleeping Mm -hmm. and you could do it we have acoustic versions of it on uh, some of the Rhino stuff uh, some of the outtakes
1: you see the one I want they can't do because they can't recreate this because it's the studio version of Carlisle Wheeling but you can't you can't really redo that so
0: Hmm. Alan you win take the stuff and just go take your magazine oh I'm sorry
1: the one Mike Nismas song Salesman oh I'd love that you know I love that I mean because they did it on Glenn Campbell even though it was a truncated version yes. but you know but yeah I, I think and we
0: do have it on Live 68 mm-hmm. in Japan
1: yep but I think there's a big enough groundswell that I think that's a, one of the songs that people want to hear but of course I mean they're chiming in with everything they really are um as Jody said I think Door in the Summer is a lock um I think of course we know me and Magdalena will be a lock yes um
0: Probably Pleasant Valley Sunday.
1: I would certainly think so. Um, but I mean, the, the the deeper, deeper cuts. Right. You know, I would love to hear him do, I won't be the same without her, but we know he won't. Mm. Thank God he won't do righting wrongs.
0: You know we're going to hear, you know, this is also a shoo-in. We're going to hear apples, peaches, bananas, and pears.
1: <laughs> Whirled up in a Sunday, probably. No.
0: I always yell that from the front row. But here's
1: the thing. we got to remember there's, what, eight or ten concerts? Yep. I mean, there's a bunch of concerts, so understand that the set list for one isn't necessarily going to be the same set list for another, Very so true. that gives us, I, I'm sure there'll be the the skeleton that will be the same stuff, you know, mm-hmm. you'll the hits plus, you know, a certain four or five songs it'll be, but <clears throat> Mickey, listen to me, please, Palomine. You know this is time. As I've said, 85% of the people that we've polled want to hear you do at least one or at least some of your solo stuff. If Nez is going to do solo stuff like for FNB stuff, please do at least do the the jazzy the smooth jazzy version of Sugar Sugar. Oh yeah. Or you know you know, Blackbird, because you do such a great job with that. I mean if you get for those of you that have never heard Nicky Dolan's put you to sleep, you're missing out big time. Indeed. You know and of course for the trivia weirdos out there you could do Three Little Fitties but you know
0: that also yeah. references a past episode
1: yeah episode three I think right hashtag I am Ishka Bibble <clears throat> right so,
0: but hashtag not my Ishka <laughs> we don't get political remember that's
1: right but yeah but you see what I'm saying but I'm, that would be tell us the one song that would mean everything and it and please know me and Magdalena none of the stuff that they've done before the stuff that you've never heard and why.
0: And again, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page. The group page, yep. And just tell us what song you'd like to hear. And What why. it means to you. And, and why, yes. And we will pick, I guess in a month or two, a winner for this next fabulous monkeys Goodies package. Which could be yours if the price is right. Right. So, Da-bum-ba-dum. is it time, Bob Barker? Is it time to tell them to get their pet spayed and neutered?
1: Uh, you just did. It's time for the legalese. Please
0: please don't touch me there. I told you about that.
2: Okay. (laughs) Al!
1: Wait. (laughs) Where is my scalpel? (laughs) You see how it gleams in the light of the recording studio. (laughs) I don't get that. Hey, Al! Oh, Al, before I forget. Yes. Do me a favor. The next time. Do something before. The next time before you leave. Yes. Stay.
0: And now. I guess now it's time to once again thank the many people that helped us out, especially Ken Mills. Ken was the sweetheart that actually told us about Google Play,
1: and that was in return for us telling him about iHeart.
0: Right, <laughs> well, I guess so, yes. Oh, sure. yeah. And then he told two people, and they told two people, you know, and, and so, so, on. so on and
1: so oh, on. Oh Lord, I just had a Heather Locklear moment. Thank you. Oh Heather Lock,
0: <laughs> Heather Locklear teamed up with Pamela Sue Anderson. All right, wait a minute. No, and John Forsyth.
1: is that TJ Hooker? Uh, TJ Hooker, Heather Locklear before she went to the doctor or Melrose Rose plays?
0: Uh, both. I happily missed. Okay. But thanks everybody. We sincerely appreciate your listening, your patience yep. and your patronage.
1: Absolutely. The Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys podcast is a podcast for Monkeys fans by Monkeys fans. It is not related in any way, shape or form to Rhino records, Michael Nesmith, Mickey Dolenz, Peter Tork, the estate of the late David Jones Right, uh, anybody that is associated with the monkeys in any way, shape, or form.
0: Right, they've completely disavowed it completely uh, from the beginning. No, this, it's this all done. This podcast
1: will self destruct in five seconds. Good no, luck,
0: the, It's all done for love, by fans, for fans. Everything here is, of course, copyright, the respective owners.
1: That's right.
2: And
0: it's all done in fun.
1: That's right. It's good,
0: clean fun. Hey!
2: hey.
1: hey. So until we meet again, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, I am Alan. Yes, I do do the real Don Steele Williams.
0: And this is Al. Yes, I asked him to do the real Don Steele. Bigly. Reminding you to save save the the Texas Texas Berry Berry chicken. Chicken.
1: Love is the ultimate trip.
4: Are you telling me that you don't see the connection between government and laughing at people?